0: I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is Slice by Slice, a podcast where we dissect and discuss horror films by categories and subgenres, such as Candaria and Demons, Home Invasions, franchises, and director's bodies of work. And of
1: course, we can't dissect and discuss these films in the detail we do without spoilers.
0: And this is episode 46 on Fetty Alvarez, recorded on August the 5th, 2020. So,
1: news. And yeah, it's Josh talking first, not Jesse. Halloween Horror Nights has been canceled for the first time in 30 fucking years. But what really sucks is this is the big, big to-do 30-year anniversary. There was some certain icons that their, their lore and their story, they only come around every 10 years, and that was going to hit on this year. And they set up the tribute store, and there was footage of that, and it looked like they were really going to knock it out of the park. And
0: we'll have to wait till next year. And it sucks. And what really sucks is this was the first year I was going to actually try to go with you, and we had a feeling it wasn't going to happen or not even be at its full capacity, you know? Yep. Do you think they'll move the anniversary stuff over to next year? The cool thing about it is, is after X amount of years, they stopped
1: calling it on the year. And they just started saying which one it was. So technically, it doesn't matter when it happens. It's still Halloween Horror Nights 30. Well,
0: maybe it'll just be, you know, bigger, better, and better next year. Well,
1: my biggest issue is... From all rumors, it looked like we were going to get Beetlejuice. So I don't know how that works with the licensing of the IPs and if they'll still have it. Don't know if the Billie Eilish stuff will still be going on. Nobody knows. It's all up in the air, but we've got at least another year to speculate.
0: But if that wasn't tragic enough, we had a couple of deaths happen since the last episode. Yep. We lost John Saxon on July 25th. At the age of 83, and everyone knows him from Nightmare on Elm Street and Black Christmas. Those are the two I always go to, yep. but I mean, he was in so many things. Yeah, that really sucks. And then, you know, if that wasn't bad enough, on August 1st, at the age of 85, we lost Wilford Brimley, which, I mean, okay, Cocoon is the main thing that I always remember him from, but he's from The Thing as well. Yeah. But who cannot remember the diabetes commercials and the way he said it all the time, and, and you know diabetes isn't it <laughs> i just did it <laughs> diabetes is not a joyful topic but just the way that guy would say it and that that fucking walrus mustache always brought a smile to my face yep and, and i totally agree
1: man because i never saw the thing all the way through until last year and that's what i always remember man fucking cocoon and those commercials <laughs>
0: Yeah, I saw Cocoon before I saw the thing when I was a kid and hell we even watched that at your house with your mom one time. Aren't yeah. <laughs> so like like I've seen it so many times when I was younger that I, I always think of him from that. It's just funny to me cuz that movie's so old and I remember him looking old then, but he had to have been like fucking 40 or 45, I you know, know what I right? mean? <laughs> and the last little bit of news that I have for this episode is that Courtney Cox is confirmed for the new scream movie as well. So we have both Courtney Cox and David Arquette confirmed. Now, if we could just get Nev Campbell on board, we have just about everybody, right? Yeah. We got rumors that she's
1: shown interest, but uh, let's wait and see, man. In this day and age, I don't even rely on pre-production anymore. We need to be into principal fucking photography before I believe shit.
0: (laughs) And then you got to wonder if they're going to bring anybody in from Scream 4 because it's all one continual story. So, you know, you got that too. Yep. I don't have any podcast announcements other than I have a feeling this episode is going to be a long one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. Definitely. (laughs) No, no
1: conspiracy theories or anything. It's just going to be one
0: of those episodes. (laughs) It's going to be a fun one, though, I feel like the only correction I caught is I was so tired by the end of what was a long episode and recording session for Josh and I It wasn't by the time it was edited, but I I believe I said Feedy Alvarez instead of Fetty Alvarez. So uh, sorry for butchering your name on the, the intro. You're not listening to me, but you know, it's okay. I still got your name wrong. Since the last episode, before watching Fetty Alvarez movies, I watched All of You with my wife, so I'm caught up. I liked it. It did scratch the Dexter itch like I thought it was going to. It was a fun ride.
1: Yeah. The wheels get a little loose towards the end.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It goes off the rails a bit. And... My friend David and I, who used to always have horror movie nights, actually got to hang out and have a horror movie night for the first time in I can't tell you how many months. <laughs> and we watched Daniel Isn't Real and Ready or Not. So I finally saw Ready or Not. Did you love it? It was fun, but I'll probably never watch it again. Well, once it gets to the very end,
1: you, there's really no, there's no payoff
0: <laughs> in, a, in repeated watching. It was enjoyable to watch, but even then it was... I don't know. I thought it was going to be more of my kind of movie. I could see how that team could make a good Scream movie because they're the ones making the Scream movie, right? Yeah. Like, they had that vibe and that attitude, but, I mean, it wasn't even really that much of a horror movie to me.
1: No, it's it's like a... I don't know. It's it's weird to actually put it anywhere.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it was it was fun. Samara Weaving was great in it. I I can watch her in, like, any horror movie she'll do. Everybody was great in it, really, but I liked seeing Adam Brody in it because... <laughs> I don't know. It's the same attitude he had in Jennifer's body and he was just kind of funny talking <laughs> shit. Yeah. But have you seen Daniel Isn't Real? I I can't remember. <laughs> I watched way too many movies, man. So I really liked it. I liked it more for the the first two thirds of the movie. I would say the, the third act kind of lost me because it went a little extra crazy. It's definitely a at least watch once kind of movie. And when I figured out that that Daniel is Arnold Schwarzenegger's son in real life. Play. <laughs> it kind of blew my mind because you can't unsee the Terminator at that point. <laughs> okay. Maybe I haven't seen this. You wouldn't know it. I'd feel like unless somebody told you, but you can't like miss the, the, the face structure once, once they say it, I mean, it's like a tall <laughs> skinny Arnold Schwarzenegger, but, uh, if you watched anything cool, um, we watched, uh,
1: a flick called book of monsters and, uh, it's a British film and it's these, uh, well, it's this little girl whose mom gets taken away by this creature that's featured in this spell book that her mom reads her stories out of. And uh, the monster comes back to take the girl on the eve of her 18th birthday. And she realizes that okay. mom was a monster hunter and now she has to take up the torch. And like the first half of the movie's great. And then it hits this like after the action starts, it hits this lull and never makes it back. But it's still worth a watch. It's fun.
0: That sounds like something I might like.
1: Yes. Watch it first. and Then I'll ask you something about it. Okay. It's either on Netflix or Amazon prime right now is where we watch that clinger, which is on Netflix. It's about, the, <laughs> it's about this dude who accidentally kills himself trying to do a love thing for his girlfriend while she's in the process of trying to break up with him. And then he's stuck with her haunting her and, uh, oh. she can see him and touch him, but nobody else can. And then these other ghosts come and she has to hunt them. And it, 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 Anyways, um, I watched The Ice Cream Man, the, you know, the shitty Ron Howard's brother as the ice cream man. I could never remember that That's dude's a name. That's an older movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd never
0: actually set. I think I it. remember that one when I worked at a video store being like a VHS <laughs> tape. It's that old, right? Yes. It's like
1: 91,
0: 92.
1: Terrible movie. <laughs>
0: <Is> it, <laughs> yes. I'll tell you what movie I want to cover with him in it is The Wraith.
1: I don't think I've seen that.
0: Oh, you're in for a surprise on that one. Sweet. He's not a major character. I mean, I guess he is. But he's not like the main character.
1: Okay. Another movie currently on uh, Amazon Prime, which is an Amazon original, is Vast of Night. and uh, Okay. It, it's, it's an alien movie with not much payoff, in my opinion. And the weird one here that we stumbled across is 92's Highway to Hell.
0: Oh, yeah. Christy Swanson. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. Well, I say I love that movie, but I haven't seen it since the late 90s. It's
1: the whole damn Stiller family's in it and Gilbert Godfrey and like, oh, Rob Lowe's brother. He's the other main guy in it. Wild movie. Any any horror fans listening? I don't know how I never saw this younger. Like, it's worth watching once just for how fucking
0: absurd it is. I'm surprised you never saw it at my house. I actually had that one on VHS. I pop it in all the time.
1: But yeah, that's that's it for uh, what we've been watching. You know me; I don't I don't keep up with much TV uh, or serialized stuff because that's the wife's jam. Man, uh, work's been hell, uh, so not a lot of free time.
0: <laughs> yeah, mine's been really bad the past week and a half. Barely had time to do this. But let's not go into a downer here. Let's let's go into some happiness. Well, I don't. <laughs> these movies get kind of dark. But anyways, <laughs> I feel kind of bad when we were wrapping up or what i called wrapping up the like new younger modern horror director categories and for some reason we hadn't gone into Fetty, and he's you know one of my favorites probably right now like he's up there it's him and juan and flanagan but i guess it's just because he's only done the two movies really and you know they were close together but he hasn't put out like a movie that's written and directed by him in a few years you know and i don't know like i these movies are fantastic, and I'm finally glad to uh, cover them. But I'm I'm glad we were able to tack them on here at the end and cover all the the current modern directors.
1: Yeah, and it's it's another one that you know as as we dig into it, we start finding out more about the guy, and uh, I like this guy. <laughs>
0: He talks like one of us, really, like he could just hop in and, and it wouldn't sound out of place. And I I think it's just because he's only done the few movies or whatever so far. So, he, you know, there's plenty of directors who are like, oh, that guy's so nice. I want to drink a beer with him. But he still kind of just sounds like the guy that's like the horror fan that gets to make a movie. Yes. You know, <laughs> so he's from Uruguay. He's I guess he's 42 now. So he's like four years older. Nice. That's probably why he's into some of the same movies. I was trying to find out like where he went to film school and whatnot, or if he even did go to film school. And all I can get is that it appears he got some sort of film degree in Uruguay. And I think it was in directing. And then he got into making commercials and music videos there. And at some point went to Amsterdam. I got a master's in screenplay writing. I caught that from an interview and somewhere in there while working on these commercials and videos he got with some friends and he made a movie called Panic Attack for $300 and he did this right when like digital cameras and stuff were getting cheap and popular and coming out and youtube was starting to pop up and he taught himself visual effects he wasn't trained at all and he basically made an all CGI movie of these giant robots attacking Uruguay and You know, the effects are nowhere near top notch, right? Like (laughs) they're composite and everything, but it looks pretty good. And and hearing him talk about it and how he had to make it and like the robots are so big because they didn't have permits to shoot and they had to point the cameras up so they didn't get the people shopping and stuff. Yeah. It's really neat when you hear that. But he made this all CGI movie, which is really funny because we're about to go into a very effects heavy movie that has no cgi in it but uh which it's his thing to not do cgi but he did this but when you hear him tell the story like he recorded it and he was going to do the effects and he couldn't get them quite how he wanted and he kind of stuck it in a drawer and he didn't mess with it for a few years while his friends gave him shit basically (laughs) and he decided to randomly sit down for a couple of months i think he took off work and and put the thing together and edit it and he just threw it up on youtube he wasn't even going to take it to a film festival And basically, his life changed the next day. He was getting emails and phone calls (laughs) from bigwigs everywhere. He had a guy from Warner Brothers call him, and he thought it was one of his friends fucking with him. So then he messed with the guy until he realized that it was for real, and he had to backpedal. Which is funny, because I heard a similar story uh, by Dave Filoni, the guy in charge of Star Wars animation. He made the uh, Avatar cartoon for Nickelodeon. Okay. And he got a phone call, and they're like, George Lucas would like to meet with you. They want you to make a cartoon, and he thought it was somebody fucking with him, and he messed with the lady. It was like George Lucas's secretary. <laughs> and then he figured out it was real, and he's like, oh, oh, you know. So it's kind of funny hearing that story twice in like a month, basically. But I guess if you're, you know, just a small fan working on things, you don't expect somebody to call you. Yeah, the shit never happens. I know, I know. But he got called over to the States, and they talked to him about that movie, wanted to know what his plans were for his next film, and he didn't really have any, (laughs) right? Like, he wasn't expecting this to happen, and he got to go to a film screening and met some producers that worked for or with Sam Raimi and find out what every aspiring horror filmmaker would want to hear is that Sam Raimi is a fan of your short that you just made on YouTube <laughs> and would like for you to make the next evil dead movie. I mean, what the fuck? That's the dream right there. Yeah. And this
1: is like Monday. And he's like, you mean that shit that I just put up on Thursday? Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, basically. And he said, as soon as he got offered that job, he canceled every meeting he had with somebody. Cause he's like, I'm good. I'm going to do this. Hell yeah. And, um, he he's one of those guys that's great with small budgets. He made his first film, evil dead for 17 million. And then he made his second big film. Don't breathe for 10 million. And both of those movies did very, very well. And come on, he made a short film for $300. So it was full CGI. Yeah. <laughs> this might be better than James Wan's expenditure reports. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, this is, this is like better than, uh, or Pelley. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like I've I saw several interviews with him on YouTube and some behind the scenes mini docs for Evil Dead. And he just like I don't know, he's just a really good storyteller. And you can tell he really likes his craft and he really likes horror. And it, it's funny to hear him talk and the boo crew, I don't know, sometime in the pandemic, they did a, a interview with him and it's a really good interview. And honestly, he does most of the talking the whole time, Yeah, but that's a good listen too. we have no affiliation with them except for it's, it's a fantastic episode just to hear Fetty talk and tell stories. But I think I got this from that interview, but he said there was a quote that he never understood. The more you learn, the less, you know, and he said he really understood that after making evil dead Because he didn't know what the fuck he was doing and he made this movie and that now that he's been in in the biz for a while, there's like so much shit that he did in there that he's like, you can't do that. I wouldn't do that now. (laughs) You know what I mean? And and the fact that he didn't know he wasn't supposed to do that made him make this this natural film. Well, it's just like listening to Sam Raimi talk about making the evil dead. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, there's a lot of parallels there, and that's probably why Sam chose them. It's just really funny to me. Like I saw Panic Attack on YouTube, and if you haven't seen it, spend the five minutes to go watch it. It it's it's entertaining and it's really neat that he did that on his own, but it's just it's it is odd to me that like Sam Raimi saw that and was like, This is the guy that's gonna make evil dead. <laughs> you well, know what I mean?
1: That, which is insane, and how the fuck did he get away with using the theme from 28 days later?
0: <laughs> did he yes. actually do that? that's what he scored it with i noticed it was similar i didn't realize it was the same thing yeah i just think that i mean this is just my opinion but i feel like sam raimi basically saw what we called like that punk rock filmmaking yeah you know what i mean it's like this guy can make something out of nothing this is what we need yeah you know that
1: means we can pay him nothing and he can make something
0: <laughs> i saw in an interview or heard in an interview i listened to some of them and watched some of them. But one interview I saw, he said he's made a lot of Star Wars short films because he's a huge Star Wars fan. So I, that makes me like the guy even more. He said he hadn't <laughs> gotten any calls from Disney to make a Star Wars movie yet, but he's waiting. But he did say on multiple occasions that he was called to make a Marvel movie and he decided to pass on it because he felt like he wasn't going to have enough control. And I can only assume that was the Doctor Strange movie.
1: And this this was after Evil Dead, right? So it would t- yes. it would time right around that time.
0: yeah and they wanted a horror director that's why they got the guy from sinister yeah and sam Raimi's making the sequel so there you go but it it really fits i never heard him say the movie but i feel like it would have to be that one i heard him say in one interview that he he feels like he burned basically every bridge in hollywood because he got offered so many jobs off of evil dead and he basically turned all of them down right
1: (laughs) yeah And well, we've heard that before with other directors and they, they move on to their next thing. And just like with him, he, he bounces through two more movies and now he's doing, he's a producer. Well, you know, all the shit's going on right now, but you know, he's, 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 he's in there. He's, he's not going anywhere. As long as he keeps getting his shit out there, he's not going to go anywhere. So good for him for doing what he wanted to do.
0: Yeah. And he's not just producing. He is doing a good bit of producing, but he's, he's trying to purposely find young filmmakers with ideas and get them out there. Like he was. Yep. Because he's a guy that made a YouTube video at the end of the day and then randomly got hired, you know. He was working on the Labyrinth sequel, which I would have loved to see a Labyrinth from him. But that's apparently shit canned. But I think there's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. He might just be producing that one. That's in the works. I think I don't breathe too. Like he's got some stuff coming. But one quote that I heard about Fetty that I can't deny is balls to the wall horror. Yes.
1: Yeah. When you're talking about evil dead, (laughs) fuck. Yeah. That's their man. I'm saving it for after we go through the movie, but yes.
0: And he, he has a writing partner that he works with. His name is Roto Saegas. I hope I didn't butcher your name, but uh, apparently they're friends and they, they work on everything together and technically has his own little team. He, Has a DP that he wanted to use on Evil Dead, but he didn't want to be that asshole new director. That's like, oh, I got my own team for everything. Yeah, you know. So he waited uh, for Don't Breathe on that one. But um, I guess let's jump into the movie. So I'm going to start us off with 2013's Evil Dead. Fuck yeah, (laughs) which. (laughs) I was very scared to go see. I didn't see this one with Josh. I kind of wish I would have, but I went with a group of friends. I was scared to see it. I didn't read much about it at all because I was like, who's going to remake Evil Dead? (laughs) I know, right? And it's funny. If you hear interviews with Fetty, he said the same thing like before he got hired. He's like, you know, there was all these rumors for years that somebody's going to remake it. He's like, don't fucking remake Evil Dead. Don't be that guy, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And he got the job. And honestly, I can't think of a, a better person to have done it from what I've seen. If I think of all the current horror directors, none of them would have done the job that he did, I feel like. I agree. But he he did his short film Panic Attack, and then he did Evil Dead, and then he made Don't Breathe, which he wrote and directed all of those with his buddy, Roto. And he most recently made The Girl in the Spider's Web, which I have not seen. It's a sequel to The American Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. It's supposed to be kind of out there and different. I kind of want to watch it just to see it.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen it. And it's, of course, it's not a horror flick. It's more of a crazy-ass action flick, right. is my understanding. But we, we see that all the time about, you know, look at look at the arc of fucking James Wan. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, the trajectory on that one's fucked. So, I mean, I, I heard him in one of the interviews after he made Evil Dead. He's like, I don't think I want to make a horror film for my next film. And he ended up making Don't Breathe. So he's wanting to reach out there a bit. Yeah. But as I said earlier, his buddy Roto Sayegas helped him write the film. And I think he wrote every movie that I just named. So I'm not going to (laughs) go through them again. But I think those are the only things he's done. He always works with Fetty. And our star here is Mia's Jane Levy. And I remember seeing her on Suburgatory, which was a sitcom my wife watched. And, you know, she's got this like cutesy little, you know, teeny girl attitude, right? On that show. And then I saw her in this and it just really fucking blew my mind, the range on this girl. Right. And after that, she I'm just going off of her like appropriate genre flicks, but she did. uh, Don't breathe, of course. And I haven't seen Castle Rock, but apparently she's in a bunch of episodes of that. And m- most recently, my wife and I have been watching Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which is kind of funny. It's one of my wife wanted to watch, but basically everybody around her breaks in a karaoke singing to her and she's the only one that can hear it. And they're basically telling their soul to her. It's pretty funny. Huh? So <laughs> you might want to watch that one. But That's her current show that, that she's working on. And it just it's kind of neat to see her like, you know, weave in between like a sitcom to a very graphic and gory horror film. You know, into like a singing, dancing show, you know? So she's got some range on her. So she is, yeah, on the rise. And apparently she was just like a champ when Fatty wanted to do like special effects and something just like gory and horrific with her. She's like, let's fucking do this. There's actually like a behind the scenes video on YouTube of her walking around the camera like, this is layer eight of blood, you know, (laughs) stuff like that.
1: And it's pretty funny. Well, there's one where they shoot a scene and it's when she's out, near the time of the the tree rape scene and they cut and she starts crying and she's got her head down and she goes walking off set and fetty comes up to her and he's like are you okay and like as she's crying she's like yeah i'm okay and and walks off that like how far he pushed her but even in that moment of it actually having a breakdown she's like yeah i'm okay like she she really went there because she knew it needed to go there
0: if it's the interview I'm thinking of, she had like so much mud and fake blood in her eyes, she actually couldn't fucking see and was like running in, into the vines, and that's why she was crying. And she's like, "We've been doing this all day, and I can't fucking see." Because Fetty's like, "Are you all right?" And she's like, "Yeah, let's just go with it," you know. Like, and, and I'm gonna try to get to that as we go. But Fetty did things to get reactions out of his cast, and that seems to be something that he likes to do to surprise them. Yep. Her brother David, though, is played by Shiloh Fernandez, and. Apparently he was on Jericho, which I know that's a pretty big genre show that I hadn't got into yet. And I had seen him in Red Riding Hood, but a movie, a horror movie that he's also known for as Dead Girl, which is one of them. I have it like sitting at the house waiting for us to cover it when we come around (laughs) to a category where I can fit it in. So I haven't seen him in that yet, but I mean, he plays like the dotiful, like would-be hero brother in this very well. Yeah. Somebody that kind of blew my mind as I watched the movie because he started off really annoying and me not liking him, and then he basically turns into everything the audience is thinking and the comic relief in a serious way was Lou Taylor Poochie as Eric. Like this guy in this movie, (laughs) I saw him in you recently, obviously because he's in season one of that, and he was in. American Horror Story 1984. He's like the camper guy, like from the past, oh, right? Shit. And he's in a bunch of other stuff, but those are <laughs> like his genre things that stuck out to me. But his character, like, he looks like he's from the seventies, right? <laughs> like the way he's dressed, the long hair and the beard, and apparently that was intentional, like. The beard thing, like he he was like, I'm gonna grow they wanted him to have long hair and wear the flannel. He's like, I'm gonna grow a beard and shit out so we can just like kind of fuck with this timeline a bit, you know. Like <laughs> he wanted to look that way. And he's such an ass throughout the movie, but at certain points he's the guy that's like, you fucking idiot, this is what's happening, you know. So so he was fun in that. And uh, we got Jessica Lucas as Olivia. And I remember her from The Covenant and Cloverfield apparently she was on the show the cult on cw which i like the idea of it but i I never saw it i think that might have been one of them that went straight to their streaming service okay and i was looking apparently she's a big character on the gotham show but i've only seen like half of the first season of that which was a good show i just didn't have time to watch it so i'll probably go back and, and marathon it and the funny one to me is the name that people recognize the least is probably the most genre actor actress out of all of them and that's Elizabeth Blackmore who plays Natalie right like a lot of people like oh I've never seen her anything and then I'm like well she was in Legend of the Seeker right and I talk about who she is and that like oh my god you know and then I knew her from the Vampire Diary she was a great character on that Ah. she was on the last season of Supernatural, not the most recent one, but the one before she's like the British head of the man of letters. Like she's in like all these genre shows. So it's kind of <laughs> neat. I mean, I guess that's why some people don't recognize her. Cause not everybody watches TV shows, right? Like some yeah. people are just movie people and the special effects. I did not see like it's this team or this or that, that, that made this movie, but the special effects is we were fucking fantastic. The makeup, everything. And I've never even heard the words "touch up CGI" used. <laughs> like Fetty wanted everything in camera, so I mean they could composite, obviously, because that's still that's not cheating, yeah, right? Agree. But as far as I know, everything is done with prosthetics and makeup and compositing, and I'll try to to touch on that as we go. But recent horror flicks, man, this some of the best fucking special effects I've seen. Oh hell yeah! But the movie. You would think Blumhouse, but no, it's Ghost House Pictures, duh, because Sam Raimi is the producer, right? Yes. Along with Rob Tappert and Bruce Campbell, I believe. Yes. And in my opinion, this is one of the best remakes ever, I dare say. I, I go back to what wasn't being said when the
1: movie was being made and first came out, but was later said that it's, it's not a remake. It's just another another story at the cabin. I'm okay with that.
0: I'm going to get back to that. Okay. They refer to it as a reimagining of the film, but I'm going to kind of go into it in a minute about how it kind of fits in the timeline as well. But they they very specifically did not want it to be an actual reboot. And there's so many little nods in this movie that you can tell there were fans making this film. Yes. Fetty wanted everyone to have their own little signature in the movie if they could, like certain things they did. Like the guy that, that did the score randomly throws sirens into the music and it is so fucking disturbing and i mean like air raid sirens especially at the end when the blood's raining down and it's so fucking awesome but he had like special effects people do things like that he somebody came up with the demons having this nervous tick like he's like we're making an evil dead movie we're all fucking new everybody put your stamp on this right so i thought that was really neat yeah and apparently the cast was miserable The entire time doing their own practical effects and like stunts and the shit he put them through, but like a fun kind of miserable, just like the original (laughs) (laughs) punk rock filmmaking. I'm going to go over a bunch of little random tidbits. and I'm going to try to dive into the movie. I don't know why, but I'm going to go like way deep into this movie, deeper than some of the other ones. Cause I just, I like this movie. It's really fucking fun. We were going to save it for our remakes and reboots. But I mean, you, that's honestly why I, I waited on doing Fetty. I'm like, out of his two movies, one of them was a remake. We can't do it. Yeah. We fucking threw that rule out the window. So now I get to throw him in with the young directors category. <laughs> so uh, let, let's throw as many little nuggets in as we can i'll do the rest as we go they use three cabins to film the movie a real one and then two sets that they could just completely obliterate and destroy with good reason <laughs> i don't know where i would fit this into the synopsis of the film but if you pay attention everybody's names are david eric mia olivia and natalie take the first letter from everybody's name demon yep done on purpose. Fetty said that that is the easiest way to come up with names for a movie and make them sound different is just pick a word <laughs> and then do that. And I'm like, I know what I'm going to do if I ever make a film. It's just fucking genius. <laughs> and you get the little joke of it being demon in there. The film was originally rated NC 17 Just like the original one. And everybody was okay with that. But the studio required it to have an R rating for it to get a theatrical release. So they went with it. Because Fetty and Sam didn't give a fuck if it was in C-17. And with some of the shit we've seen even
1: in films from around the time and after it, I still can't believe what's in this movie with an R rating.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. The book is called The Naturum Demento instead of The Necronomicon, which is what you hear it referred to in the reels in the original movie. Yep. So, uh, henceforth, it will be known as the Necronomicon. That's still, (laughs) I refuse to not call it that. That is still a yep. (laughs) The movie actually takes place in the same universe as the original Evil Dead. And the tie between the films is supposed to be Mia sitting on Sam Raimi's old car. Yeah, the Delta. Delta 88. Yeah, it's supposed to be the same one Ash drove there when he fucking died. And it's just still sitting back there. So that's kind of neat. There's a lot of rumors on the internet that Diablo Cody polished up the screenplay and it's that's like a half truth in actuality <laughs> Fetty and roto were insecure about their script and wanted a pro to look at it and diablo cody is a friend of sam Raimi's and a huge horror fan so they let her take a look at it and she wrote a draft and Fetty said it was good but it was not his voice and he just liked his better so he decided to go with his but hers was like just a different version of it But some people think she wrote it, but yeah, that that was the extent of it.
1: Yeah, well, there's also talk that she Americanized it because these guys could barely speak English. So who the fuck knows?
0: I've heard him in interviews and he speaks better English than almost everyone I know. So he sounds like a film professor when he's like going over like why you do scenes certain ways and stuff. It's awesome.
1: Look at your class of friends, myself included.
0: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, last couple of things, then I'll jump in. I know I'm just kind of going on and on. But this movie just had so many little fun things that I I didn't think I could squeeze in. There's absolutely no technology in the film, so that you don't have to deal with the oh I don't have a signal man and stuff like that. <laughs> so they're like, let's just not put tech in there. We don't have to come up with the bullshit reason. And I thought that was kind of neat. And the last little tidbits were things I saw in an interview with Bruce Campbell. Apparently, he gave Fetty a bit of advice that was movies that are easy to make are hard to watch. I love that. Right. Quote. Like if, if it was really easy to make the movie, then nobody's going to enjoy watching it. So if you enjoy watching this movie, it lets you know how hard it was to make it. Cause you know, he loved getting advice from Sam and Bruce who wouldn't. Yeah. And, uh, speaking of Bruce, there's no ash in this movie because Bruce is the only ash. And that's why they went the route they did and didn't want to make a remake. Cause who's going to fucking play ash. You just can't do it. I know we we're talking about deputy. So-and-so in the last episode, like, <laughs> He could do a version of it if you needed somebody to do it. But I think this is the safe way to go to just not have Ash in it and tell a different story. But uh, Bruce did say Jane was a badass in it, and he's perfectly okay with Mia being the new Ash. (laughs) But here we go. Let's dive into this fucking awesome movie. We open up with a, a girl lost in the woods being stalked, right? And then she's kidnapped by what appears to be the mutant cannibals from The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, yeah. But after being knocked out, she wakes up in this basement full of hanging dead cats. It looks a lot like Josh's bathroom. And there is a woman. (laughs) (laughs) But we can see a woman in the corner reading out of the Necronomicon, right? And she's just spouting out crazy shit and the wind's blowing. And we see what we find out is the girl's dad approach her where she's tied to this pole and yanked the bag off her head. And she wants to know where she is. Who are these people? And where is her mom? And her dad lets her know that she killed her mom. And as he apologizes to her, and you're wondering what for, he pours kerosene or some sort of, you know, accelerant on her and uh, lights her up while she taunts him. I will rip your soul out, Daddy. I will rip your soul out, you pathetic fuck! I will kill
1: you like I killed your boy!
0: But after a term of endearment like that, he has no choice but to blow her fucking head off with a boomstick, and then, boom, we get a Evil Dead title card in big red letters, and it kind of reminds me of when Insidious pops on the screen. But I like it either way.
1: And this was the moment when I was okay with the movie. We'll get more into that at the end, but I was (laughs) like, holy shit, is this how we're starting? (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, oh, oh, this is the route we're going. And then the (laughs) title card lets you know that, like, and we're still fun. You know what I mean? It's like a mullet. <laughs> I did want to point out. There is a man that I didn't know if it was a prosthetic or not, but there is one of the gentlemen, his face is very deformed. Yeah. That's in the area, you know, in the basement. That guy lived through two plane crashes. Two? That's why he looks like that. Yes. He was in a plane that crashed on two different occasions. Holy shit. So it's fascinating. Anyways, that's like the guy that used
1: to work with me that got struck by lightning twice. I thought that couldn't happen. (laughs) So did he.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Does he wear like red tights and run around really fast? No, but uh, I see what you did there. He almost cut his leg off with a chainsaw.
1: (laughs) He got struck by lightning twice and then he ended up having open heart surgery.
0: (laughs) Jesus. Remind me not to ride in a car with this person. (laughs) But at this point, we're introduced to our new cast. As we get the, what I like to think is overused upside down aerial drone shot flying through the woods. It's in so many fucking movies, but apparently it was an homage to the original Evil Dead and the way Sam Raimi did it, but it's just used so much in movies, I get sick of seeing it.
1: Yeah. So you got that. I want to say Cabin in the Woods,
0: Midsummer. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And those are just films we've covered on this (laughs) podcast recently. (laughs) But the uh, drone camera zooms in on this non-Delta 88 looking Jeep that's (laughs) driving through the woods to a dun-dun-dun creepy cabin in the woods, right? And we see David and his girlfriend, Natalie, get out of their Jeep and they meet up with Olivia, who we find out is a nurse, and Eric, who we find out is an asshole (laughs) at this point, right? (laughs) And I do want to point out that Apparently, a lot of the scenes cut from this movie were of Natalie for for length. Okay, because she was like the innocent, compassionate one the whole movie, and she was supposed you're supposed to like really love her character and see that she cared for all of them. And Fetty hates that they had to cut a lot of it, but like the movie was just long, and it was you know it was just some character pieces, and uh, she gets it pretty bad later in the movie, but that's because. Sam Raimi was on set and he told Fetty that the innocent must be punished. <laughs> Those are the rules. So we see David head out uh, behind the cabin and we see his sister, Mia wearing Linda's Michigan state sweater, right? Yeah, yeah. From the original and setting on Raimi's Delta 88. So we got two Easter eggs thrown there. Once it's about to be three, <laughs> but we find out that she has a drug addiction problem and that they're all there at the family cabin to detox her. And, we find out the group's been distanced partially. You know, Mia's got a drug addiction problem. Apparently, David abandoned everybody, and moved to the city or something and got a job. But they were all very close to one another before. And they're just all kind of resentful of David at this point. And if you pay attention to pictures throughout the movie in the cabin, they were all in a band together. And like they had to do a whole band film shoot day where they're in like outfits and playing. And
1: Holy shit. I did not notice that.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's like a lot of hidden shit in there. But basically, David promises Mia that he's going to stay with her to the end this time. So you get that something happened in the past, right? And then he does the uh, what's behind your ear and he pulls out a necklace. And it's the the same necklace that Ash gave his girlfriend, right? So it's like really cool to see these nods in there. Yep. And then we get this ritual of Mia dumping heroin into a well and promising to quit cold turkey. So into the cabin we go. As they go in, they realize the cabin has been broken into and they smell an odd smell of shit. (laughs) I was going to say dead cat and burnt teenager, but it probably smells like shit in there, too. Yeah, yeah. it looks like Like a uh, truck stop bathroom, right? (laughs) Inside, David and Mia have a heart to heart about their mom, a lullaby that she would sing them and her dying of cancer or something and David not being there. And that's why Mia is really resentful to her brother. And David ends up going to talk to the rest of the crew only to find out that they tried to detox her a few months ago and it didn't work out. And by not working out, I mean, she ended up shooting up so much that she died and they had to bring her back to life.
1: That's that's didn't work out.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's an understatement. And uh, the key thing here is they had defibrillator to bring her back. Right. And. They want David to stay strong and make her quit this time. And he has some reservations about this because he said he only came to patch up things with his sister after their mom died. And he's not going to patch things up very well by holding her in a cabin as she quits heroin cold turkey against her will, right? Yep. So
1: he's the weak character that we need to see find his balls.
0: Yes, yes. He's who we assume is going to be the ash of the film at this point, right? Yep. But Mia goes into withdrawals hard and quickly in this film but luckily since they have an RN on site she can help take care of her right like give her different sedatives and things like that and, and try to make her feel better about all this but Mia can't get away from the smell that she can smell that just smells fucking terrible it's a shit you're referring to earlier <laughs> but nobody else can smell it right and they argue with her until they end up finding a hidden basement door under the rug what's your medical diagnosis now it fucking stinks And apparently these people have never seen the evil dead because they decided it's a good idea to go into the creepy basement in the cabin. They just found under the rug, right? Exactly. But inside they find the smell of burnt hair, a room of dead hung cats, some shotgun shells and the fucking Necronomicon wrapped in barbed wire. Apparently, Lou improvised a lot of Eric's lines in this movie, and sometimes they lost their shit filming. Like when they walked down, and he goes, it Smells like burnt hair in here because they burned the girl. Yeah. Life. But that wasn't in the script. And apparently, he did shit like that, and they'd end up losing takes from laughing. But it's, it's a good line. I liked it. It's like burnt hair and mango chutney. <laughs> the fuck? But they bring the Necronomicon upstairs, and since Eric's a high school teacher, he apparently knows a lot about the occult, you know, because that's what high school teachers know about. And uh, over the next bit, we see Mia try not to go crazy from withdrawals, an electric carving knife being used to cut meat. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. <laughs> 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 and Eric's dumbass, open up the Necronomicon and read the incantations as he cuts his finger open, even though the book is telling him not to. Kunda. Estrada. Montuse. Kunda.
1: But yeah, you could see where, where people have written in the book about don't fucking do this. <laughs>
0: Yes, it's fucking fantastic. Fetty did this on purpose. There was a couple versions of the book made. He owns one of them. He doesn't know who stole the other one. But basically, he wanted to make it where, like, everyone who had ever had the book and had the shit happen to him, like, wrote, like, don't read motherfucker in red. And, like, they (laughs) scratch out some of the words. And he had to, like, you know. He had to do the thing where he lay the piece of paper over and, like, scratch the pencil so he could see the words, so he could say the incantation. Yeah. And, and I like how the book had a history of don't fucking touch this thing. You'll die, and you can't destroy me. <laughs> but we get a Sam Raimi cam through the woods at this point, which uh, Fetty likes to refer to as the Force. And we hear dead silence, and we get a flash of demon Mia, and then she starts fucking puking everywhere. I love the cinematography in this movie. Yes. She then looks out the window and sees herself in the woods and she tries to bail and her brother and friends won't let her leave, but she just says, fuck it, and steals one of their cars and takes off into the woods while she's driving. She sees like a demonic version of herself in the road blocking her path and she swerves and goes into like a swamp or pond or wherever the fuck you call it, right? Like a pool of water and she regains consciousness in the pool and she's amazed for some reason the car won't start as it sinks into the swamp and she has to <laughs> swim out. But um, as she swims out of the swamp, she's chased through the woods by the force and it ends up being her demonic doppelganger that chases her through the woods and into like um, a raping tree, basically. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's the only movie where i can say this it, it's more like an imprisoning tree like the vines come and they're thorny and they wrap around her and they tie her arms up and her legs and they kind of pull her legs apart and a strainer and the demon version of her appears and spits out another thorny vine that ends up well crawling inside of her i guess that's the tactful way i can say this yeah and this shit was a lot more rough to watch than the original tree scene oh yeah It's all dark and fucked up looking, okay? (laughs) But they find Mia outside, and they bring her into the cabin. And this is actually an edited scene, because originally they had Mia kind of limping in with blood running down her legs. And they had already gone dark and graphic enough so they decided they just you know let's just appear in the cabin at this point point. and basically everybody thinks she's just going crazy from the withdrawals and imagining shit but she tries to talk her brother into getting her out of there because she thinks something's evil in the cabin with them but he denies her request you have But things just start to spiral downward from here. We see David try to clean up all the dead cats in the basement and take them outside and throw them in the trash. But he finds a pool of blood, and it leads to his dead dog, Grandpa, that he brought, who's had its skull beaten in by a hammer. And when David's looking at the dying dog, he gets a vision of his sister viciously beating the dog's skull in with a hammer, and it's disturbing as fuck. And apparently they just filmed her beating the shit out of a bloody sponge with a hammer. (laughs) That'll work. But he goes to grab Mia to go off on her, and he finds her in the shower, basically boiling her skin off with scalding hot water. Yeah, they got that same water heater as they had in Halloween 2 for that
1: therapy tub.
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ. It, it's pretty grody looking as she fucking blisters and pops open. The makeup team in this movie is fantastic. Oh, it's
1: it's fucking awesome because they actually, it, it doesn't all happen right then. Like, as you see her out of the
0: shower, you, you oh, it's so good. <laughs> And the fact that it's all practical makes it that much better. The fact that it's not K and B is fucking unreal. (laughs) I know. I know. I hate to say it, but I don't know if it would have looked as good. This is, this is great. I know. (laughs) This movie is the best modern example of practical effects being the fucking best, in my opinion.
1: And I know we've said that a lot on this podcast, but. This really is, because I had no idea how much of this wasn't CGI until recently. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, why does it look so good? Because it's fucking real.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. But uh, David chose to drive his sister to the ER and finds the bridge is washed away from a flood. And he looks back at the car and she gives him like the creepiest fucking smile. Right. And if anything was done with CGI, I would have thought it was the water rushing through But I found out that when it rained really hard, that bridge actually got overflown with water like that. So they waited till it rained and filmed the actual bridge. What the fuck? Yeah, that's what happens to that bridge when it rains too hard. So they they waited to do it. The story's like one step away from like, and this is why we think the curse happened. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he said on the commentary. He said it was actual fucking water rushing over the road there. Holy shit. But they head back to the cabin, and Olivia gives Mia some sedatives for the pain from the third-degree burns all over her body. And they start playing the blame game on why shit has gone awry. And then we remember that Mia is a junkie and has hardcore drug tolerance because she comes walking in the room dragging a shotgun behind her (laughs) and has a Japanese ghost girl tick, right? And that was one of the signatures that they added on. And uh, she blasts her brother in the arm, and then we see the Ramo cam charge through the door, and we start seeing Mia scream. You are all going to die tonight. At this point, you
1: know Sam Raimi was more than just a producer on this film.
0: <laughs> Actually, from what I could tell, this was a lot of Fetty. So Fetty wanted a lot of real reactions from all of his cast members, and I'll try to bring him up as we go along. But he would let them know the general idea what well, was going to happen, but not explicitly. And for this scene, they busted the windows and doors open and turned on a shit ton of fans and just chunked debris in.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I mean the cinematography. There's so many shots in this movie that
0: feel like Sam Raimi. <laughs> oh, I got you, got you. It's just, it's, it's really creepy looking. It's like you said it best earlier. It's because it's real. Yeah, there's actually wind blowing and debris flying in the room and her screaming. Yeah, and it just looks fucking. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. Oh, and another little thing. Uh, They used actual original like demon voice speaking audio from the either the first Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2. I think it was the original one. No shit. Like after she screams. Yeah, you can hear it start talking in the background. So which I think might have been Ivan Raimi or something. I'm pretty sure it was one of his brothers. But anyways, she ends up tackling Olivia and puke all over her face until she's thrown down and chained in in the basement. And they actually like forced a tube and I think a bladder into jane's mouth and throat and made her bite down and squeeze on it and just force all that shit down into fucking olivia's face nice i mean it was supposed to be fucking absolutely terrible for her and (laughs) this is the kind of shit you get out of Fatty's movies he's like hey this is gonna be really fucked up what i'm gonna do to you but it's gonna look great (laughs) they do it earlier when Mia was running through the woods it was the the force chasing her right yeah and We covered on the Evil Dead episode. Uh, Originally, it was like Sam and and the cameraman with the camera nailed to a two-by-four running through the woods, right? Yep. And this one, they actually had zip lines running through the woods with the camera rig mounted on the zip line. And Jane ran and let the fucking zip line chase her down. It's not like they could stop it. Yeah. So she's running. And if you watch the behind the scenes, it's right on her ass. And she dies behind a tree at the last second one time. And she said they said cut. And she looks at the producers, and they're holding their their faces like oh my god you could have just died (laughs) because she wanted it she paused and she let it get extra close to make it look cooler yeah they're like dude dude insurance guy's here (laughs) (laughs) not that day but after everything they've seen at this point natalie's really worried about mia's crazy brown eyes and they are creepy looking they are not natural brown like my eyes and David's just worried about his sister bashing her fucking skull in because we can hear her slamming her head into shit in the walls downstairs, right? And he wants to dose her more. And Olivia's like, I gave her enough to put down a horse, which I mean, she does hardcore heroin, man. That's not enough. <laughs> and um, Eric thinks they accidentally did this with witchcraft and that sedatives aren't going to do shit. I wonder why. Did you read a book while you dripped blood on it, Eric? Yeah, you're the asshole. Yes. I think we covered that at the beginning. He's the asshole. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But Olivia decides to go get the sedatives and she goes in the bathroom. And as she looks in the medicine cabinet mirror, she gets a glimpse of her reflection, but her face is all fucking cut up. Right. And we see a flash to the Necronomicon and it shows someone getting their face cut off. And. Somewhere in here, Eric noticed that there was a page with someone pouring boiling water on themselves and a tree vine going up in between someone's legs, Yeah, right? So the book is basically depicting this as like a ritual. Yep. And these things have all happened, right? What happens next? (laughs) Oh, let me tell you. Olivia tries to head out to Mia, but she ends up just stopping and freezing in place and gets the, the nervous tick. And... She relieves herself of some of the least healthy piss I've ever seen in my life. It is so brown and orange <laughs> as it runs down. And um, apparently it was a stunt double pissing themselves there. I'm sure it was an actual piss. I would but what's really not. neat is they had, a <laughs> they had a harness rig on her with a line and they had her just walk and just fucking yanked it and stopped her. Okay. That's why it's so creepy and unnatural looking, because the person didn't know when they were stopping and they couldn't keep moving. Ah. It's, It's really cool, like the little things done in this movie with a small budget. But Eric decides to go check on her in the bathroom because she's taking too long and all the lights are out and it's dark and I, I think they're kind of like flashing on and off. And you can hear this terrible sound of flesh getting carved. It's so fucked up. <laughs> and as he gets close, you can see that Olivia's cut off her own cheeks, right? And you can just see her exposed teeth and gums and shit. And she's got the crazy brown eyes. And he tries to like backtrack away and he slips on like a hunk of her flesh. Yes! And, so good. And he falls on the ground and she dives on him and stabs him. His ass with some broken glass, and then violently stabs him with the hypodermic needle. I don't like needles. This scene fucked me up yeah, a little bit. What could mm, mm, you after? Yeah, yeah I, know. <laughs> I know. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> but he ends up smashing her head in with a toilet tank lid, right? Because yep. it fell off earlier. And then we have to watch him pull the needle out of his eye, and that's the part I'm sure Josh is fucked up about yes and it was just sleight of hand you know he just sleight of hand palmed it and did it and apparently they were talking about like him and Fetty were showing each other they like sleight of hand card tricks offset and stuff really so they a lot of his effects are just done with him palming things apparently and huh. um i don't remember where it was in the movie speaking of sleight of hand card tricks there's a scene in the movie where eric's playing solitaire on the table Yeah, yeah, yeah. and if you look at the cards and the order they're laying in They're the order that God was it Linda, whoever in the first one started psychically guessing the cards as the possession started. It's the exact order. He tried to squeeze as much that shit in there as he could. Yes.
1: Oh, it's so good.
0: But after he pulls that needle out of his eye, Olivia starts crawling to him and he bashes her fucking skull in over and over again until she's dead. And we get this helicopter view of the carnage, right? The scene actually ended with Eric just knocking her head into the toilet and her falling over. And that was it. But then Ramey saw it and he made him do reshoots and he wanted her to get back up and crawl and him, beat the fuck out of her. Huh? So that was a Ramey add on. <laughs> it works. Yeah. All of it works. <laughs> but upstairs, everybody's putting their game face on and we see David trying to patch up Eric. Cause he's fucked up a little bit and get used to this. It's going to happen <laughs> a little bit in this movie. But he's just basically duct taping all of his wounds together because if he can't duck it. But Eric admits that he recited these passages from this fucked up book, and that he thinks he personally released something evil. So he's aware at least. Yeah, he read the Latin. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Natalie sent into the cabin to get some water and sugar to help Eric with his blood loss, and she finds that the basement door has been busted open and hears Mia crying for help downstairs. Instead of running the fuck out the door, she decides to go into the basement. But as Natalie approaches her down the basement stairs, which we saw kind of bow a little bit, that's key here in a second. Mia breaks out in a full demon voice and says that Natalie doesn't understand. He won't let them leave until he has all of them. Right? And Natalie books it out of the basement, and the step breaks, and she falls on the way out on the floor, and the camera kind of zooms in on her face. And we think she's made it until she's abruptly grabbed and yanked back in the basement by Mia. And I would say this is a Fetty signature move, because we see this happen (laughs) to somebody again in this next film. And I really like it, because it's it's a cool shot of how you think the person gets away, and then they're just fucking abruptly yanked back. And I hope he does that more.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't feel... And I know what other scene you're referring to. It doesn't feel like the way it's cheaply done in other movies, like somebody being fallen on the floor and dragged off into the darkness. This feels different.
0: Right. But we see Natalie wake up in the basement and she finds Mia crawling up to her. And Mia lets her know that she can smell her filthy soul. And apparently it's a delicious soul because Mia decides to bite. Natalie, right, after she like licks up her legs and stuff. It's getting oddly sexual. (laughs) And then she cuts her own tongue in half with a utility knife. And this is another one of those scenes where they shoved a rubber prosthetic tongue in Jane's mouth and made her bite on it and they puppeteered it and she cut the actual tongue open so that it would look real on screen. And apparently Fetty has a hard drive of all the extra footage from stuff, because apparently that was 10 minutes of filming that, so that they could get five seconds that didn't look like a fucking puppet tongue being yanked by a string. Yeah right like they just had to keep filming it until they get it and he's like i hope i get to release all this shit one day oh i love that but it's fucked up looking and she now has the fork tongue right and she then gives natalie the grossest kiss i've ever seen in my life until david comes in and saves her as mia gives him some kind words on the way out why don't you come down here so i suck your cock pretty boy
1: Maybe you're not you, you fucking idiot your little sister's being raped in hell
0: but at this point, Eric gives up on destroying the book and he decides to go over the pages with David. But the gist of it is that there's a demon that will make the sky rain blood after it is feasted on five souls and that will make the abomination rise from hell. I don't know if the abomination is the Antichrist or what. We don't know what's going on. We show us the abomination, right? And Eric says that the demon is attached to Mia's soul and that he thinks they will have to kill Mia to stop the ritual from happening. David thinks that he's cracked the case, and he believes that it is a virus from the dead cats down in the basement. And then (laughs) Mia puked onto Olivia, which spread it to her.
1: What kind of a virus makes a person cut off their face with a piece of glass?
0: He's really fucking reaching. (laughs) Yes and no. Fetty purposefully wanted to keep anything supernatural out. Up to this point, he says that, I mean, you see the possession and the eyes change, but really we have not seen straight up magic at any point, right? This could be cabin fever.
1: Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, from the point of view of a couple of characters, absolutely. I can can see it.
0: Yeah. yeah. And we know what's going on. We've seen the original, right? Yeah. yeah. But he, he wanted to keep super magic, supernatural stuff. Out of the film up, you know, up to a point if he if, if he had to throw it in there and, and common sense, you know what's going on. Right. But he just thought it would, it would make the movie seem scarier and more grounded if you didn't just straight up seeing supernatural shit happen. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, and it also not to go off on a tangent, but there's probably a lot of people that saw this movie and had no idea what they were seeing as far as the original. That's
0: possible. It's a different viewing for some some people. But while all that was going on natalie's in the kitchen and she might have a minor infection in her hand from the bite as she tries to clean off the demon herpes with uh the well water right and (laughs) she's like squeezing it and manages to get these black pussy worms come out and and that shot was supposed to kind of emphasize the what if it is an infection okay right right like and some of these scenes make me think of eli roth's cabin fever yeah like just some of the dirty water infection scenes the rest of it this is straight up metal is fuck evil dead <laughs> but natalie starts to get the twitch as mia watches intently from the basement door and i want to point out any scenes you see here and there's later scenes with david and eric and natalie but you'll see mia laughing and staring through the cracks in the basement the whole time they basically spent a whole day filming jane tied up making crazy faces and shit so they could reuse all of it later because like this scene she wasn't present and they're like she's the bad guy right now we need her to be present at all times yep it's a nice little level of detail there that's smart fucking shit but at this point natalie decides that this thing has to go and she cuts her own fucking arm off with the meat carver we saw earlier and she's hardcore and this scene is fucked up yeah 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 yeah. And they shot it by her sitting at an angle where you couldn't see her left arm from the camera's point of view. And a guy hiding in the cabinets behind her, holding up a prosthetic arm with, I think, our actual human hand at the end moving. And the arm was made to act like flesh and actually had a pipe in it with blood running through it that was supposed to be running like a heartbeat. And then Fatty decided to crank that shit up to 11. Yeah. And they just, they actually gave the actress the meat carver and made her cut through the prosthetic arm. And when she hits the pipe, the blood, fucking, the blood fucking sprays all over. And it is, it's beautiful, man. Yeah. And
1: her actual arm, the way it was pinned <laughs> behind her, had fallen asleep. And like she was having psychosomatic problems of this, this isn't my, like having to tell herself that it wasn't
0: her arm when she went to do it. And, Oh, it's, yeah. it's so good. It's just really cool. And and sometimes the cast only knew part of what was happening, and he did certain things to psych them up on purpose as well. So it, it's just crazy how all this played out. But apparently this wasn't a GFCI outlet, because as the blood starts <laughs> to pour, all the power is blown out in the cabinet when, when the fucking socket's so, in, Okay,
1: So, okay, the kitchen remodel in Sinister 2, really, really fuck. You've been looking at, at shit to make sure that doesn't happen to you,
0: right? Yeah. <laughs> I got small children, man. You don't know what'll happen. (laughs) Oh, shit. But uh, (laughs) David and Eric find her, and they decide to break out some actual magic to save her life and patch her up with some duct tape, right? Because that saves all in this movie. (laughs) And uh, David just starts saying that everything's going to be fine, right? And Eric questions his version of fine. And Eric, in the movie a little bit before this and up to this point, he's supposed to be like the audience and what we're thinking, right? Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be fucking fine. And earlier when he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. viruses make people cut their faces off, right? Like he's supposed <laughs> to be us yelling at David. He's supposed to be reason and logic. And he went from the asshole to being us. We bonded over the eyeball incident. <laughs> <laughs> but Eric goes over the text and he finds out that a live burial, full dismemberment, or purification by fire will kill Mia and cleanse her soul of the demon and solve all of their problems, <laughs> and that explains how this chain of events was stopped at the beginning of the film because they did the uh, purification by fire, right? Yep. Do you count as dismemberment if you blow a head off with a shotgun? I don't know how that works. I don't know the science behind it, but
1: I, th- I think that's just uh, that's like that one extra shot in the head,
0: <laughs> even after you think you've uh, done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, David thinks that Mia might just be mentally ill like their mother was. And Eric thinks that David's just a pussy, basically. (laughs) And he decides he's going to burn this mother down and save the day. And as he gets up, Demon Natalie comes in with a nail gun like it's fucking lethal weapon, too, and unloads that shit on Eric's ass. And she manages to clip David in the process somewhere in there, too. I think she gets him in the leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But after getting shot up, Eric tries to make it to the shotgun that's in the room that they found earlier. But Natalie comes in and one hand it beats wholesale ass on him with a crowbar. Oh, dude, the hit through the hand. <laughs> it's just graphic as fuck how you see like his finger bend and stuff or fingers yes! when the crowbar comes in. And even when you listen to the commentary, they have like most of the cast in the room. They're all like, oh,
1: fuck when it (laughs) happens. Yeah. And then she's like so covered in blood and shit. Oh, yeah. And it's not done. The volume. That's what's so fun about this movie is the volume just slowly gets turned up and up and up and up and it never fucking lulls. Anyways, (laughs)
0: and I feel like there's frames missing and shit, right? Like, it's not natural, any of it, like the way it goes. And then she's one-armed anyways. Like, there's no air compressor hooked up to the air gun, and I'm not even bitching about it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But uh, dude can't catch a break, right? Until David manages to blow Natalie's arm off with a shotgun. And maybe save Eric. He looks pretty fucked up at this point. But now he's extra mangled and bleeding out on the ground, right? And somewhere in there, I think the nail gun nailed his hand to his chest, and that was Lou's idea. He's like, "Fatty, what if what if I caught a nail in the hand and it stuck it to my chest?" He's like, "That's badass, that is dude!" Great. And apparently, a lot of the actors did that. Like Jane did that sometimes. She's like, "What if we did this to me and stuff like that?" <laughs> and he and he just thought it was really funny. he got all these young actors, and he's like, "You can't do this shit with the experienced actors." No, like Natalie had to sit on the floor for like ten hours to do that arm chop scene. He's like, "If I bring an experienced actor in here they're gonna say fuck you do it and post the CGI right <laughs> but he's like they let me fuck him up and they came up with ideas to fuck themselves up worse I'm paraphrasing of course Yeah, but. yeah that is a team fucking effort but Natalie ends up crawling to David, crying for help, and then dies in his arms. And this goes back to fatty wanting it to not look supernatural, like all the possessed people can just die, yeah, like a human could. They take an extra beating. I'm starting to worry about Eric here, though, because <laughs> is he possessed? Motherfucker can't die, right? But David drags old Gimpy out to the car, and he tells him he's going to do what he has to do, right? We see David go inside and start pouring fuel all over the cabin, especially over the basement door. Yeah, yeah. And he lights a Zippo to burn this mother down. And then Mia starts singing the lullaby that their mom would sing them that she sung earlier. Right. And this calls them to nutsack the fuck out like they all said he would. Coward. And then he sees lightning strike a tree outside. Right. And this gives him an idea. <laughs>
1: And see, this is something I, I'm, I'm going to go back a little bit. There's the whole thing when Mia's going on about how, when mom got sick, you kept promising you would be there and you never came and yada, yada. It, to me, it really implies that her dealing with that and him not being there
0: drove her to heroin. And like, I this get is that all too. His yeah, fault. Yeah, yeah, it is okay. his fault. And that's why he's here to make things right with his sister, right? He wasn't there to help take care of mom. He calls these drug addiction problems. He wasn't there when she OD'd and fucking died, right? He's got to take care of his little sister, right? Yep. Grow a fucking pair, dude. Yeah, yeah. And Fetty had a whole backstory. They had different parents. Or they had different fathers or something and the same mom. Like, he wrote out their entire family line and stuff, right? So they were, they were slightly removed but still related and, and this and that. And that kind of played into if he wanted to make them related to Ash and stuff like that. And he decided not to go that route. But he did come up with a whole family line for him and a full backstory just to just to get everybody in the right state of mind, right? Okay. But like I was saying, David had a eureka moment after seeing the lightning strike the uh, the tree, which was an actual burning tree, by the way. See, like they, they kept it practical <laughs> through and through. He goes to the shed and he sees a perfectly good chainsaw, which we all knew he was going to grab. But he ignores it to build a defibrillator with all of his mechanical skills, right? And Fetty said he went online and found actual plans to build a defibrillator using car parts on purpose. Oh, okay. Like, that is an actual possible working defibrillator you could use in a pinch that a mechanic might know how to make using the car battery. And I can't remember what he used for the needles and stuff, but it was all shit used in a shed that you could use to work on a car, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty fucking neat how he MacGyvered that shit. But he goes outside and he digs a hole outside next to the burning tree and goes in for his sister. As he tries to get her, Mia gets the drop on him, and they start playing a game of cat and mouse until Eric shows up basically and saves the day and knocks me the fuck out right and this saves david's life and david quickly dives on a sister and shoots her up with more sedative right like he's gotta even if it only lasts a minute i gotta knock her the fuck out right yeah well
1: and this is another spot where once when he's thrown across the room into the wall and into the water it's so like the pit the the pit bitch in uh army of darkness
0: yeah there's little nuggets that anyways i'm sorry i just Apparently the original version of the scene, the, the entire basement room was, was flooded with water and they're having to swim through it and shit, but it's just really hard to do. And he's like, we'll just make it like, you know, needy, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that was an intentional, like army of darkness nod, but I don't know. Like every bit of it, when you see it, it's definitely like, you feel like Sam ring the verse, right? Like it's, yes. like it's all coming in and most of this was Fetty's idea. I know. You know I mean? <laughs> it's so good. It's so weird. Sam watches a short, and he's like, that's the guy that can be me now. I don't know. It's just really neat how he did that. But after Eric has saved David, we see that he's taken yet another near fatal wound. (laughs) But this one seems to have stuck, right? And he goes down. He had, I think it was the utility knife was stabbed into him, right? Yep. Because Mia was using that as a weapon in the basement to fight her brother. And at this point, we dive into the third act of the film. And we see that David's plan is to bury his sister alive with a bag over her head after putting her into a red dress so that she can look like a badass for the third act of the film, right? (laughs) And if you pay attention, it was their mom's dress. If you look at pictures in the cabin, Uh, the mom was wearing that dress in some of the pictures. Okay. And I'm going to go into a bit of backstory on this scene. Okay. For one, that is literally Jane Levy. Laying in a hole with a bag over her head, and they had a pump in the back to put oxygen in the bag. But she is being buried alive herself with a bag over her head for real. Okay. And secondly, the woods were supposed to be creepy as fuck and supposedly on burial ground, and all the actors knew that, and the woods freaked them out. So he made Shiloh go into the fucking woods for like 30 minutes by himself in the dark and then come in and film the scene. Say so he'd be like fucking terrified the whole time. And he didn't know if Shiloh could do the scene right. Not, nothing against his acting, but the way that, that Fetty wanted it. If he was talking to a pile of dirt on the ground. So he talked to Jane and said, hey, can I bury you alive in a box <laughs> and let him actually talk to you through the dirt so that he has the fucking urgency to dig you out quickly? And she's like, sure. Fucking genius, man. Yes. I don't know how much this she could get away with sometimes. And I think that goes on the list of shit. Like he wouldn't do that now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like this is his first movie and he did it. But now that you know the backstory, let's dive back into the movie. You see David start to bury her alive. Like I said, and she starts to guilt trip him. And if she would have stayed sweet to him, it might've worked. But David manages to finish burying his sister after she gives him one too many, your mama jokes, basically. Right. <laughs> like she starts talking shit. He's like, fuck you. And he buries her. And he gives her a speech on the ground and digs her up very quickly because he assumes he's he's killed her at this point. And somewhere in there when she's talking, she's breathing really heavy and sucking the bag into her mouth and stuff. And I don't remember if that was Jane or Fetty's idea, but they added that after the fact to make it more dramatic. Okay. But uh, everything appears to have calmed down. And he unburies his sister, like I said, and he brings her back with his homemade defibrillator. And all appears well with Mia. And she's putting on her shoes and she's just talking and like, you know, the good guys have won, right? And David goes back into the cabin for his keys because he didn't have them on him for some fucking reason. And on the way out, he's attacked by a possessed old gimpy. Eric's back, right? Oh, he finally died. I know he finally died and he comes back as a demon and he he stabs David in the carotid artery with the utility knife that kept popping up and Fetty wanted every Demon killer, whatever you want to call them, to have their own weapon. Oh, okay. And this was his weapon was the utility knife, right? But David yells out to Mia and he tells her to run and he blasts the gasoline in the cabin with the boomstick and Mia watches the cabin burn and then sees the necklace on the ground that her brother gave her earlier in the shape of a skull, which was a nice throwback. Yep. And this is another one of those scenes like they filmed the cabin, then they fucking burnt the cabin down and the composited over the people, right? Okay. So that was real fire on top of real actors and no CGI. Gotcha. There's a different take of the scene and you can, I don't, I'm sure it's on the deleted scenes. You can definitely find it on YouTube, but you actually see like David turned into a demon in the scene. And then me ends up catching the cabin on fire. So there's a different way they did it. I don't know why they decided to go this route, but I really like the scene the way it, way it played out. Okay. Yeah. I didn't like the other version as much when I saw it, but I don't know if that goes back to the, which one did I see first? You know, uh, but we see blood start to rain from the sky, and apparently that was a hard shot because they wanted the drop of blood to land properly in Mia's hand, or in Jane's <laughs> hand, right? And um, this is happening because the, I guess the fifth sacrifice has happened at this point, right? I'd have to do a count on who all died here, but that was part of the ritual. We, we have enough. Yeah, we hear a creepy-ass score that almost sounds like the exorcist music. But with that air raid siren in the background, that was dude's signature, right? You heard it earlier in the film, but it's very prominent here. Yeah. <laughs> and um, cue the we fucking see the abomination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we see the abomination crawl out of the ground, and it starts to chase Mia down. This is actually, I think it's a 65-year-old man in a thong, and then they composited Jane's face on it, right? She said he was very nice, but he's creepy as fuck chasing around. I thought it was Iggy Pop. You know what? (laughs) Could have been. Could have been. I do want to point out, I said blood was raining from the sky, and if you haven't seen this remake, (laughs) they use 70,000 gallons of fake blood for this movie, which is probably a record. 50,000 gallons of the fake blood is used in this scene alone. Yes. Yes. There are fucking sprinklers everywhere raining fake blood down from the heavens. But as Mia's running through the raining blood from the Abomination, she makes it to the shed and actually takes the chainsaw. But before she's able to get it started, she has to hide in this cavity in between the walls, right? Which we saw Ash run through in the originals. That was like a throwback. Yeah. And at some point she falls over and the Abomination is stabbing a machete through the wall. And it's really badass and creepy. And the Abomination ends up getting mia's knee and slicing into it that's the same arm that natalie cut off earlier and they just bowed it to look like her knee and cut into it right they had to reuse shit
1: yeah and this shit looks better than the texas chainsaw remake that tried to do the same kind of scene but this is better
0: (laughs) yeah everything about this movie is better than a lot of horror movies it's it's fantastic (laughs) like i'm so glad that you decided to break the remake rule and and we got to come around to this But uh, Mia takes the chase outside, and she hides under the Jeep, and she manages to get the chainsaw cranked and cuts the Abomination's legs off, right? And she tries to crawl out from under the Jeep until the uh, Abomination does this one-handed flip of the Jeep and flips it over onto Mia's arm, and it's pinned, right? And they actually hydraulic lifted the Jeep and stuff with Jane there. I can't believe they got away with that. But Mia's stuck as the abomination crawls around until she decides to rip her own arm off. And this is gnarly as fuck looking, but apparently Fetty was so worried about the scene that he's like, I'm yanking the arm. Oh, really? And Fetty just fucking pulled on the arm until he yanked it apart and got it the way he wanted. And he actually does that quite a bit. Anytime you see a hand or a finger on the, the Necronomicon reading, it's Fetty's hand wearing Eric's shirt. He oh, did okay. all that on the last uh, filming because he said he wanted it very particular and it's terrible for an actor to sit there and shut up, flip through a book. And then a director say, no, 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 to the left, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So he did it himself, right? <laughs> no point at the other fuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, she manages to get up off the ground, get the chainsaw up with one arm and crank it right as the abomination crawls up to her. And the abomination lets her know that's gonna feast on her soul. But Mia's not having this. Feast on this motherfucker! Uh, <laughs> Mia then carves the fuck out of the Abomination with the chainsaw, just digging into it and cutting it in half. And blood's fucking sprays everywhere and it looks so awesome as she's yelling at it and this is the moment where i'm like new ash right here (laughs) this is awesome and we watch the abomination slowly sink into the earth in a pool of blood and the blood rain stops and uh yeah yeah it's fucking awesome like all this this is just fucking amazing like just the the blood and the the arm getting ripped up and the abomination and the sinking honestly it's one of the coolest scenes I've ever seen in a horror film in my life yes and I stand by that And um, Mia grabs her necklace, right? Because it's fucking hers. And she walks off into the sunrise and you see the sun rays coming through the tree line and it looks crazy and fetty says people think that it was CGI, would but he, he knew that it did that at the right angle at a certain time of day and he waited and shot it then. No, shit. those are actual sun rays going through the tree and we see that the Necronomicon still exists and it flips some pages and then we get the title card again, credits. And when I say credits, we get some crazy legit credits with running dripping splattering blood and if you pay attention it depicts everyone's death the proper way yep
1: and it's through the entire run of the credits
0: yes and it makes you want to stay and watch them and it starts to fade out at the end and we get bruce motherfucking campbell popping up and he just says groovy right <laughs> and that's the end and um I'll get to this in a second. I'll get to how they shot that scene in a second. Okay. There's an alternate ending that you can find online if you look on YouTube where instead of walking off into the woods, we see Mia walking down a street and a truck pulls up as she passes out. And a man gets out of the truck and walks to her, and it's shot kind of blurry until he gets up close. And that's because Fetty thought it'd be cool if Ash picked her up. Even if it wasn't Ash, you wanted Bruce Campbell to pick her up, Yeah, right? And Bruce didn't want to do it. He's like, it doesn't make any sense. Why would he be there? If I'm going to do a cameo, it's not going to be like that to make this confusing. I say we don't do it, right? And he had shot it that way on purpose, and he even did like a, a cheap visual effect in Bruce's face on the guy's body to show <laughs> Bruce. And, and he said Bruce was right in the end, so they decided to go with the other ending. But there was another ending, and I... This one is partially filmed, and he said he hopes to release this one day. You had the force run through the woods and run through the cabin, just like the original movie, and run towards Mia as she turned around and screamed, just like Ash died at the beginning of the Evil Dead movie. But then they were going to shoot her levitating into the air. So that you knew it was supernatural and not like a virus. Like this is this is the one scene you saw that was one hundred percent supernatural. Other than the demon crawling out of the earth, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring it up. And then basically she just got ripped apart and exploded into a fucking pool of blood. And Sam Raimi was like, "No, that was that was I think Fetty's original idea for the ending," and and Sam was like, "Mia's character's been through enough, and she fought hard enough, and she gets to make it." Right, and he goes. Well, Ash done at the end. He's like, "Well, Ash didn't deserve to live, <laughs> but everything Mia did in this movie, she deserved to live. She took care of her mother. She was trying to kick her drug addiction. She went from being like a character to the bad guy to the hero at the end. She deserves to make it. And she's going to live. And that's how they ended up doing the the walking down the street, and then ended up doing the." walking into the woods with which looked fucking cool i could have gone either way i will say the poster for the movie is mia walking down the street which isn't actually in the movie it's it's the scene right here that i'm talking about and and that was it for the alternate endings but when fetty decided to do the sound for the movie because he's real involved in that stuff bruce campbell wanted to be involved because he's one of the producers of the film and sound is apparently his thing he likes to do the sound shit yeah And they're there working on it, and uh, at some point, Fatty's like, Bruce, come here, come here, (laughs) and he takes him into his office, and he sets him down in a chair, and he grabs, I think there was like a, a backdrop or something, and he grabs lamps out of the office and focuses the lamps on bruce and he uses just a shitty handheld camera and he's like i want you to look at me and say groovy and he's like what is this and he goes it's your fucking cameo in the movie don't worry it's gonna be great (laughs) and bruce is like "Uh, uh, okay and that's why he shot it it was just a handheld (laughs) camera and spontaneous as fuck well for bruce anyways i'm sure Fetty had it planned the whole time and using lamps as lighting and that was a really cool way to say it and he said that was to just show that that bruce approved of this movie
1: yeah you could so see bruce when that's going on be like what are you doing what are you doing, Fetty?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm getting my cameo. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think uh, if I remember correctly, he was filming Burn Notice when he went to go talk him into doing the cameo scene with the truck because he shot it in a way where in Miami where they shot Burn Notice, they could have filmed it there. Okay. Like just Bruce's face and it would have been fine. But but like I said, he, he didn't want to do it. And, and I think that was the right decision. And there were rumors of a sequel. There were rumors of putting ash and mia together in a film which would be fucking cool i think (laughs) but sam wanted to make the ash versus the evil dead tv show and the way it worked time wise i mean sam's got the rights to this he's gonna do it right And, and it didn't really work out and like i said this movie It's supposed to take place in the timeline of the original Evil Dead. It ignores Evil Dead 2, which is technically a remake of the first one, right? And Evil Dead 2 goes into Army of Darkness, and they're in medieval times and all that. And in this story, it's Evil Dead where Ash died, or you think he died at least, and it's back at the same cabin, right? And are they related? Maybe some way distantly. That's how the cabin's saved in the family. Maybe somebody else bought the cabin. It's kind of left open-ended. And then... Sam was able to do his TV show like Ash had survived from the original film, right? So these two could exist in the same world. And Fetty did say he's aware that the tone is different. Like Evil Dead is slapsticky and this is a dark fucking horror movie, but he thought that could have been kind of interesting to combine the two. Right, And at a Comic-Con release for the Blu-ray, I think, for the movie, he took pictures of Bruce and Jane together, and he posted them online. Fetty did. And and he kind of mentioned it, and it was an idea, and he said, yeah, he'd fucking love to do it, but he doesn't know if it's ever going to happen, and he's okay either way. And now Sam and Rob and Bruce have found another new young horror director to do the next Evil Dead movie. Yep. And Fetty doesn't know if it's a sequel to his film. Evil Dead 4 another reimagining, just the Necronomicon in a different place. He doesn't know anything, but he feels like it's in the right hands and it's going to be done the right way. This movie was done in, in one of the most perfect ways possible.
1: Well, when you had the original evil dead, the whole intent was to make a over the top scary movie. And that's what this is. It stays so true to that. And as far as looking at your, your continuation on of evil dead two, go straight to ash versus the evil dead. The TV show, because that's exactly there's your there's your full blown comedy slapstick Bruce Campbell. There's your sequel for that. Right. So going into this movie, I was I was one of these assholes. So I'm told that the movie is being made. It's like, well, we've let's go down the list of what we know about it. You shouldn't redo this movie. It's a bad idea. Oh, there's no ash. Who the fuck is this Fetty guy? It's being written by Diablo Cody and there's no K&B. Fuck this movie
0: fuck everything about right right what day does it come out because i'm going to see it and exactly (laughs) and you actually did more research than i did like you knew more facts going into that than i did i purposely ignored it and i just didn't care it shouldn't be remade and i went open at night but i went completely blind well and that's the thing is i love
1: evil dead too I respect Evil Dead and I love Evil Dead too, and I went in my brain thinking I'm seeing a remake of Evil Dead too if that makes sense like there's got to be more nods yeah. to it because it's the better movie and I don't get my slapstick I don't get my Bruce I get teased about the arm being cut off like I'm so I'm so mad, and then it starts raining blood and it's in that you mo- don't get
0: teased there's two arms cut off but you it, but it's not you know what I mean? It <laughs> wasn't just saying, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And, and it
1: starts raining blood. And in that moment, I'm like, I kind of understand what's going on and it gets through the credits and we get the groovy. And then I'm like, well now I'm pissed. Cause that felt like lip service. And I'm just being totally honest here. And I left the theater not disappointed. I yeah, disappointed, but it was my own fault. And when I finally sat down and watched the movie again, I was so angry that I couldn't watch the movie and know nothing about the originals and just see the movie for what it is. And then on the next watch where I forced myself to see it from that angle and realize it's not a remake of Evil Dead 2. It's just a fucking movie. I finally got to get sucked into it and be blown away at how fucking genius it was (laughs) and how great it is. And then digging into it, this is exactly how everything should have happened. And even the nods in the movie, they don't bash you over the head with it. If you're a fan, you're like, that's nice. If you're not a fan, it doesn't matter. There's there's nobody going, why was that necklace in the shape of a skull? That's stupid. you, You know what I mean? And fucking fantastic movie. But I I was one of those people. I, I just, <laughs> I, I, didn't want this to happen, and I was so mad originally at all of it.
0: My first viewing of the film was a, a group of friends that I grew up with. We'd always go see movies together, and they liked horror movies, but I was the horror movie guy. And they were shocked that I didn't want to go see this film. And I was, of course, going to watch it, but I was kind of thinking I, I'd wait to home video or something, right? And I got drugged to it. And I'll be honest, as soon as the the opening basement scene happened, I was sucked in. I was like, <laughs> okay, this is nothing like what I expected. That's when I knew that this guy could make fucking horror movies. And I was going to see everything that he made, which is why I went and saw his next film, 2016's Don't Breathe, in theaters open at night, where I was surprised once again, because I didn't know you could be terrified of a turkey baster.
1: Yeah, yep. And I learned that I never want to make turkey at home. Oh, shit. So the writer-director duo comes back with uh, a cast featuring Stephen Lang, who's, you know, your critically acclaimed actor going back to Manhunter, Tombstone. He's going to be doing Avatar for the rest of his natural life, more than likely. <laughs> yes. VFW recently. Yes. Jane, of course, is back. This time as Rocky. We've got yep. Dylan Minnette as Alex, who he is in 13 Reasons Why and Goosebumps. And we've got Daniel Zavato as Money, who was in It Follows, Lady Bird, and a dumpster fire of a movie called Beneath, which we <laughs> actually watched this past weekend and wasn't even worth mentioning <laughs> in what we've Ooh.
0: been watching. <laughs> I didn't look him up, and I, I I recognized him. I couldn't figure out from what. It would have to be It Follows. Yeah.
1: I make this joke a lot, but there's a whole lot of foreshadowing in this movie. Um, <laughs> like... A lot. And, uh, more from a Hitchcock point of view, really, or where it came from. So the guys are up at San Diego comic-con. And when I say the guys, you know, we're talking about the writer and, uh, well, writing team and director between, uh, Fetty and Roto. And I'm not even going to try to say his last name. And, uh, they were asked, you know, while they were talking to fans of evil dead, you know, what's your next movie, what's your next movie. And on the drive back from San Diego to LA, it's like, what is our next movie? <laughs> and, and just through discussion on the, on the car ride, there was a framework, basically, for what this movie would end up being. And what's funny is when Fetty told his mom, like, the basic outline of the movie, she's like, oh, so it's like that movie Wait Until Dark. And he had no clue what she was talking about. (laughs) And uh, for anyone who doesn't know, I didn't until I heard about this. Wait until dark. A recently blinded woman is terrorized by a trio of thugs while they search for a heroin stuffed doll they believe is in her apartment. So, yeah, there's a lot of parallels there. Um, He did admit to actually watching the movie after finishing the script. But this is in no way supposed to be a take on that movie. Something Jesse will like is he used Star Wars action figures to work out the character locations and movements. Because like you said, this, he, he'll do a table read, but he hates rehearsing because he wants people to decide things in the moment and react in the moment. And that is his approach, and it's genius.
0: Yeah, because he actually had the house constructed so that there was no way to escape, right? Yeah. And they used a chessboard with the action figures to say, oh, they'll run this way. And they're like, but there's a door there. And they didn't want the audience yelling at the screen to say things like, why doesn't he go out there? So every time that would happen, when they'd acted out with the action figures, Fed would remove the doorway. <laughs> so that the house would become very claustrophobic with no way to fucking escape. Yeah. Friggin'
1: genius, man. We've got the exteriors of the house uh, were shot in Detroit, and the rest of the movie was shot in Hungary. What's crazy is if you look up the street address, because it's the street address of the house, and uh, Buena Vista, which means good view, which is hilarious, that's the real house. Oh, yeah. You can, to this day, go on Google Maps and Street View, and you can stand in front of the house with all the other houses, dilapidated houses around in Detroit fucking nuts as far as being blind goes the whiteout contact lenses that Stephen Lang had to wear basically took out about 70% of his vision so after lighting was set up he said acting blind wasn't acting (laughs) pretty fucking easy to do at that point got some more tidbits but they'll be sprinkled throughout so we open with an overhead shot not a weird upside down overhead shot that zooms in on this neighborhood and we see a man dragging a girl down the street by her hair title card (laughs) (laughs)
0: a nice little trail of blood as Uh, well. I mean, it's just like, like what the fuck did I walk (laughs) into?
1: And we cut to seeing Rocky money and Alex breaking into a super nice house, but they have the key and the alarm code. And as they rip the place off, money is such a nice dude that he jizzes everywhere. Now, I say that because I've watched it five or six times in one shot. It looks like he's pissing because there's just a lot of fluid, but there's one shot of his face and he's jerking and making an O face. So I don't know if he's just that excited, pissing everywhere, or if this is supposed to be the most dangerous foreshadowing (laughs) you could have in a movie. (laughs)
0: My take on it is that he's pissing, but the first scene you see, the cabinet's chopping off the lower half of his body, and he could be stroking it, and he does look like a no-face, and then it pans around, and you can see that he's just drawing with his piss all over the house, and I think he's supposed to just be bunny hopping, but it looks like he's (laughs) stroking.
1: It is, man. It's a sprinkling of foreshadowing
0: (laughs) Oh my God, the puns are strong with you today. Oh,
1: they're going to have to be on this one. So they get their take and Alex makes it a point. You know, we don't take cash, get only this much, blah, 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 blah. And they bail. And as the crew drives off, Rocky admires this ladybug on her hand. We'll come back to that. I promise. And we find out that Rocky and money are both trying to score enough on ripping these places off to blow town. And it's Detroit. I understand. And that's not a knock at Detroit; it's a knock at any place that's been failed by local government and fallen apart and beyond repair. Anyways, I'm sorry, I'll get off that soapbox. But Alex doesn't want to come with him. It's like my dad's here, you know, I, I can't go. And back at home, we see that Alex's dad works for a security company. Oh, so yep. that's why they got the keys and the code. Got it. So this is this is their thing. Meanwhile, we cut back to Money, who's delivering shit to their fence. Um, And he's bitching about, you know, how much he's getting for the Rolex and all this shit He's like, oh, you want to make some real money? You know, how about this tip I got? And he ends up giving him this tip that he goes back and shares with Rocky that there was this vet who scored a big ass settlement after some rich girl killed his daughter in a hit and run. And when he tells the rest of the crew about this, you know, law school, Alex says he's out and we'll go into the law school thing here in a second. And this is, there's a lot of jumping around here that just, it's got to shove in a lot of information because like we say in so many films, it's really is exposition. We got to get them into the house. It's an hour and a half long movie. We got to cram all this backstory in here (laughs) as much as we can. Right. So later on, we see Alex at home and he's texted by Rocky, you know, saying, you know, would you please come with us? And, uh, you know, we can do this. Let's do this score. Let's get out of town. Blah, blah, blah. Come on. This is the one. This is the last one. It's the 13th ghost. And, uh, (laughs) (laughs) and alex takes the time to actually look up the story on the internet and it's true and when he's reading the article there's an article off to the side about some man did something and the face is blurred out that's a picture of fetty actually and uh, (laughs) meanwhile we cut back to see what uh, rocky's home life is like Now, I'm going to hang here for a second because there's a whole deleted scene of Alex sitting there when he's looking at the ad where Pops comes back in. And Alex is trying to get his shit together to go to law school. And that's why he makes so many references throughout the movie. We can only rob this much. We can't do this. If we commit this crime, this happens. That's why he's this wealth of knowledge. And that being left out kind of just makes it seem like he's a weird nerd. But he was trying to go to law school.
0: I didn't know about the law school angle, but... To me, it was clear that he was trying to make it where they stayed in that like misdemeanor range and didn't hit felony exactly. at all times, right?
1: Yeah, but he knew what he was talking about. So meanwhile, we get to see Home Life with Rocky. <laughs> we meet her mom real quick, who says that she knows how Rocky makes her money.
0: Your lips look sore. That's how you're making your cash out there?
1: This mom should really team up with the dad from Sinister 2. <laughs> it would make a cute couple. So we also see that Rocky has a little sister named Diddy. Who she really needs to get out of there because Diddy's like almost as bad her dialogue. With, you expect her to say tubular because she's like, I want to go to the beach. <laughs> I'm going to be a surfer. And she's like, honey, there's no surf here. And she's, you know, looking at her mom and the, her flavor of the week dude that's moved in and shit. And she's like, you know where you can surf? California. How about I take you there? And so like, you know, so, so we've got a connection. We're building connections to these characters and wanting them to see this through.
0: Yeah. I don't know what the letters of their names are supposed to spell in this one, I but didn't, I didn't even the try. The Names that. are rough in this film. The names are not good in this film. <laughs> They're not. <laughs>
1: I'll give you that.
0: You got Rocky and Money and Diddy, and it's like, <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I honestly watch this movie and try to forget that they have names. Like that is the only <laughs> thing that takes me away in this film. Other than that, it's a fantastic movie.
1: <laughs> then Bullwinkle and Natasha come in. <laughs> So as Rocky's talking to Diddy, she gets a text from Alex saying, fuck it, he's in. And, uh, that's when she actually tells Diddy that she'll take her to California. So let's go on to the house. And they're sitting there checking out the house in this blue Camaro and money goes and grabs his stakeout camera. He's got propped up on the fence where he's been watching the house. And, uh, we see that Rocky has a ladybug tattoo and Alex asks her, like, oh, you got a new tattoo. And she goes on to this whole story about, you know, why a ladybug and that when her dad left, her mom blamed her and she'd get upset about it and cry about it. And when she cried too loud, her mom would actually lock her in the trunk of a car. And one time a ladybug came in there and was her only companion. And it seems dumb and throwaway, but it's like there's this whole allegory with the ladybug and luck that is why that's weaved through here. It's never really flat out said. I didn't understand it until the commentary. Uh, to be honest, <laughs> but the story of her being in a trunk is uh, foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> so money comes back and he's showing the footage and he's like, "Man, this guy's a total shut-in, and you know this is going to be easy." <laughs> and
0: uh, and then they say it's Stephen Ling and they realize they're <laughs> fucked. No, that's what should have happened. I know, right?
1: But instead, fucking Cujo jumps up on rocky side of the car. Just as they realized the man in the video was fucking blind
0: just because he's blind don't mean he's a fucking saint, bro.
1: So that night they hit the house and uh, we're fixing to be on set for and in the dark for most of uh, the rest of the movie. And they knock the dog out with a treat, which is fucking genius. And Fetty says that that shot C.G., that they had something there for the dog to go to, but there was the whole thing of how are we going to throw this to that exact right spot? And it's like, fuck it. CGI the treat, and then the dog will run to there. <laughs> Supposedly, that's what they did. And it's, it's, we've talked about this before where practical movies and the CGI is in places that you're like, what? <laughs> that happens in this movie more than once.
0: It's hard to get animals and small children to do what you need them to do, man. Exactly.
1: Now, they've got the keys and the alarm fob, but the front door has way more locks than they were expecting, hence why they've already jumped the gate. And what they end up having to do is have Rocky go in through a window. And the alarm does this countdown thing, and she's heading for the beep of the alarm, trying to get to it to turn it off. And a piece of glass gets stuck to her shoe, and she ends up pulling it off in the hallway. And the whole countdown of the alarm thing is kind of dumb because Windows should be programmed for instant alarm, not a quiet countdown. But I'll let this one go. There's a few. There, there's some plot holes in this movie you could drive a truck through. And I still love the movie.
0: <laughs> I love this movie as well. And so much of it is done so right. And I understand that Fetty just needed to get people in the house to get it started. But it really bothers me that Stephen Lang's character is basically Daredevil in this film, when it comes to like sensing shit and being blind and hearing it. And for some reason he does not hear the alarm right here. I know. Is he watching the video? Like, is he asleep with the videos playing? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll let it slide. Cause the video, but the rest of the movie, he's basically daredevil, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. But Rocky kills the alarm and she heads over to the kitchen door and lets the boys in. And then we have a fucking full on James Wan long ass shot through the house. And it seems dumb until you've watched the movie because we get focus on the skylight, the hammer, the bells, the safe location, the locked basement door. And then it heads yes. upstairs as money's heading upstairs. And we see the blind man sleeping with a revolver under his bed because this camera's still flying around. It does the through the floor thing to get up there, or through the ceiling and through the floor thing to get up there money's going into his room to gas him. And that's when we see that there's a video playing on the TV of his daughter or presumably his daughter. And I don't know what the chemical cocktail is, but money goes to gas him with the thing in the the bottle and he pokes a hole in the bottle. And then you don't see this until money realizes it from the shots back and forth that all of a sudden the blind man's like set up, like who's there. <laughs> <laughs> and money's like holding his thumb over the poison, like, huh? Or the gas. And, uh, he turns off the TV and kind of rolls back over. Money's like, all right. And he pulls his thumb off and starts spraying the gas and he backs out of the room and he goes downstairs. He doesn't even give the gas a chance to fucking work. Cause he's just loud as shit. As soon as he goes downstairs, which I don't like that, but it doesn't matter. Cause we don't have to put up with money for very long.
0: I think he's supposed to be the idiot of the film, right? Like we're not supposed to be rooting for him. Cause at the root of this movie, we have a home invasion film. Only we're rooting for the invaders, right? Which is, which is not normal. And they had to make him unlikable, right? (laughs) Well, that's part of what's fun about this movie,
1: because if you don't know about this movie, you got to get to a certain point before you don't know who you want to root for. Are you rooting for the thieves, or are you rooting for the blind guy? Because you don't know what the blind guy's done, but he certainly ain't no fucking saint. Mm -mm. So Rocky points out the door once money's back downstairs, and money can't pry it open. And I have a huge problem with this, because any thief worth his salt has a pair of bolt cutters in his bag come on
0: <laughs> they seem to do a lot of white collar robin though right like it's not like they're fucking going in deep into fort knox here they're like oh we got the alarm code for the part of town that probably doesn't even lock their doors yeah <laughs> let's just walk out with some shit right and you're not wrong because because of alex's
1: in they have the keys to the kingdom they haven't had to work very hard So I'm okay with this. And money thinks he's gangster as shit. And he's really not. He's just full of himself. And he shoots the fucking door open with his improvised suppressor that would have done jack and shit. If anything, it may have blown his hand off, (laughs) but the door's open. So everything's fine. They crack it open and boom, the blind man pops up from the other doorway. And it's the same thing. It's like, Oh, who's there? And I'm not trying to make fun of him. It's he plays it so fucking well. That's like, he sounds terrified. Who's in my house. And, uh, you know, he starts taking a couple of steps forwards and Money's instantly like, don't do it, old man. I'll fucking shoot you like giving away his position, giving away that he's armed. He doesn't know that he's dealing with a fucking ninja. mutant. <laughs> the devil of hell's kitchen has gotten old and retired, man. <laughs> but he's got sensitive feet <laughs> and he steps on a piece of the broken off lock and he's instantly like, oh. <gasps> And goes for the door. And he feels on it and realizes that's what's happened. This basement door that had a padlock on it is now unlocked. Meanwhile, money just keeps running his mouth. And the blind guy gets closer. And you can tell, man, this is... Just keep talking. And he's holding his hands up and he's listening. And just (laughs) stepping closer and closer. And you could. anybody who's seen enough martial arts shit knows what's about to happen and he pins money against the wall gets the gun in his hands puts it up to his fucking throat and he's asking how many of you are in my house it's like just me man because what and when he's running his mouth he's like I got drunk I didn't I didn't know what I did so he's he's at least you know trying to take all this and uh, yeah the blind man goes relaxed everything's cool He's like just let me go man just let me go and then he blows his fucking brains out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> out of nowhere and it's it's intense so rocky hides in the closet and i'm bad at talking about what's going on because alex is mia as soon as the gun came out alex is like no that's five to ten and he, he fucking runs <laughs> <laughs> and so You're right though and so as rocky's cowering in in, in the closet Alex is about to make it over the fence, but this is when he hears the gunshots and we see him like, oh, fuck, because during the exchange, money actually fires one round off and that stops Alex and then he ends up coming back into the house. Fuck, I glossed over something else, too. They all took their shoes off when they came in. Oh, yeah. When Alex comes back in, he keeps his shoes on. So Alex makes it back into the house and he almost runs into the blind man in the hallway. And so he ends up diving off into the bathroom. So he'll be safe. Meanwhile, the blind man steps on that fucking piece of glass from Rocky's boot and he instantly Mm -hmm. knows I need to check the closest window. And he does. And he grabs a board (laughs) and he's fucking boarding up the window. And Alex is in the floor and has a text exchange with Rocky that she's in the closet. But uh, he goes down the hallway one way when he comes out of the bathroom And Alex uses that opportunity to sneak out and make it into the closet with Rocky while the blind man locks the fucking kitchen door from the inside with a padlock. So now they're trapped and in the closet. Oh, sorry. Before Alex makes it in there, the blind man comes into the closet and takes something out of the safe that was behind some stuff on the shelf and hidden in the wall. And Rocky actually is able to see what the combination is.
0: What? Fetty's birthday? Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> so when alex makes it in there he's like money's dead shit's fucked what are we gonna do and rocky just springs right back up and opens the safe and starts grabbing all the cash <laughs> she's like oh, yeah i'm going to california i don't know what you're doing exactly at
0: this point in the movie alex is the only one you can actually root for
1: yeah he's the only one that's level-headed right now
0: and, and at this point in the movie you you think it's gonna go a certain direction But it doesn't, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that it was Jane and a Fetty movie again, you would think that Alex is going to end up being the, the one that goes through this movie. Right. Like that's the way I felt the first time I saw it. Oh Yeah,
1: totally. But they realize they're trapped and Alex says that they, they need to go to the, uh, the cellar. They need to get to the basement and get to the cellar door. Cause when they're looking at how to get in, I think it's money that actually reaches through a hole in the cellar door. And he's like, Oh, it's locked from the inside. So like, okay. Or bolted from the inside. So it's a latch. That must be our only way out. So as they're going through the living room, the blind man pops up again to clean up money's body. And how's a blind person going to know when all the blood's cleaned up? I'm serious question here. <laughs>
0: it's just, that, that, that I don't know. I never really me. thought about that there.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> but they're staying there all freaked out. And Alex takes one step back straight onto a creaky board. And so the blind man sweeps the room with money's pistol. And then he breathes a sigh of relief because there seems to be nothing there. And then money's phone goes off in his bag and blind man just turns and pops one right, right into the fucking bag. So he's good. Yep. <laughs> it's cause he's fucking daredevil. <laughs> so he drags off money's corpse and the duo as I'm going to refer to them now, head to the basement. So once they get down into the basement and the basement, you don't go downstairs, you open the door
0: and then it's down a ladder. That's going to be important later. It's going to be important later, but it is a poor design. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. This is Detroit, though.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, oh, poor design. And Now you got the puns. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't even mean it that way. I mean, I guess y- you do have, like, the barn doors, right, to get into the basement from the outside if you need to actually get it in store stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of got that, like, that farm-type basement. But from inside the house, it's functionally useless. Yeah,
1: yeah. If you're a shit face and need to go down to the basement, that's that's dangerous. Maybe there was just a cave-in and he went with it. <laughs> How's a blind man going to build stairs? And he fucking boarded up that window good enough.
0: Anyways. I know. So blind Bob Vila in here to put my cabinets (laughs) in. So then daredevil Bob Vila
1: fucking with his super sniffer.
0: (laughs) there's some mutant powers going on (laughs) this motherfucker i'm telling you
1: okay i'm the the deleted ending for this movie i'm gonna give a pass now with this road we've gone down but we'll get there
0: (laughs) oh i don't know about that i'm excited
1: (laughs) but he notices a smell in the kitchen and discovers their fucking shoes and there's two pairs of shoes so he knows he already got one there must only be one other person at least that's what i'm thinking he's thinking how rank is rocky's feet though? I don't know. Do you see how poor that fucking shack was that she was in with her mom? Her mom looked like she smelled Mm. like shit and jizz and menthols.
0: (laughs) In that order? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) It's just funny because he's like walking. He's like, and he goes straight for her boots, right? I'm like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) So
1: after checking out the shoes, he heads straight for the safe and he opens it up and there's nothing in there and he starts losing his shit. Not, crazy but he's upset meanwhile we've got the duo wandering around in the basement in the dark and this part is done so fucking well because Alex mm-hmm. goes to hit a light switch and nothing happens we just hear the little electrical mm-hmm. like buzz thing going on and there's kind of a delay and then all of a sudden the lights turn on and a Halloween Horror Nights flyer lunges straight at Rocky <laughs> and that's what it's like in the houses R.I.P. Halloween Horror Nights 30 um, <laughs> Oh, but when this happens, we also see that tethered to this girl is a line that goes up through the ceiling and to the bells we saw upstairs. So the bells ring and we see the blind man standing there. And now he goes from fretting to a look on his face of like, oh, shit. And walks out of frame. So what the fuck's up with this bound up girl? Um, we cut back to her and she's like cocooned in this padded thing (laughs) in one end of the basement and she's fucking bound and gagged and what the fuck what is this guy doing with her like at this point in the movie it's like oh my god
0: yeah it's very unexpected there was nothing in a trailer that led you to think there was another character in this film no and that it was anything more than a home invasion on a dangerous blind guy yep film right and
1: I, I had this wasn't spoiled for me at all so when it got to this part I'm like what in the actual fuck And uh, she's trying to get their attention because Alex is like, fuck her. Let's go. And Rocky's like, but what about her? And she's like, she's gagged, but she's yelling and she gets Rocky's attention enough that she comes over there and she holds up this newspaper clipping.
0: She's the one who killed his daughter.
1: Now, these plot holes. Why does she have Mm -hmm. this newspaper clipping? I could see the blind man scolding her and showing it to her. But what Braille... In fucking Rosetta Stone, what he used to know what he was holding and showing her.
0: <laughs> In all seriousness. If you get by it and, and think that maybe somebody from his church. Huh? <laughs> oh, huh? hey, I see what you're doing. From a previous time or, or the lady at the grocery store, his attorney that got him the settlement. If anybody gave him the paper and he knew what it was. And what you find out about this girl later, he's like, I'm going to leave this in here where you can't tear it up because you're bound, but you have to fucking look at this every day. And that is his character in this film.
1: And I am totally fine with every bit of it, no matter how illogical it is, because it's still good.
0: (laughs) Right. Because this movie, just having the plot points works. You don't necessarily need all the little hooks and backstory. And that's a credit to Fetty, man. Like he can do this with a movie. Something that we would rip somebody apart for. And he's like, you know what? You know what the fuck's going on right now, don't you? And and we're happy with it the whole time. And the
1: really fun thing is anybody who's listening to this podcast knows I am not a big fan of home invasion movies. It's just not my thing. And I really like this movie. But uh, (laughs) so we can see from the newspaper clipping that this girl's name is Cindy. I will refer to her as Cindy from this point forward. So Cindy points to another safe that's down there in the basement and they go to it. And luckily the code is the same as the safe upstairs, Fetty's birthday. And inside there's a set of keys. Holy shit. It's the keys to all these locks in the house. Fuck yeah. There's also the keys to free Cindy. <laughs> and that's what Cindy cared about. <laughs> so they get her free and they head for the cellar door. As they head to it, they hear the blind man coming down into the basement and they freeze. Mm-hmm. And they don't hear any more noise. And they go back to the cellar door. And just as Alex gets it open, the blind man flings the fucking door open and pops off a few shots. we see Alex get hit in the ear. And then we see a little bullet hole in Cindy's gag and blood just pouring Mm -hmm. down her throat from up under the gag. Such like we just quote unquote met this chick and she's already fucking gone. Like she's gone quicker than money. And uh,
0: you walk in wondering where Jigsaw is after you see this fucking death <laughs> trap and somehow you have an emotional death from a character that's only been in the movie for a minute and a half and she hasn't even spoke yet. And the only thing you know about her is that she's a piece of shit and her rich parents got her off for killing a girl. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so the rescue mission has failed, <laughs> obviously. And there's
0: a lot of things failing for these characters.
1: Rocky and Alex back off into the darkness and the blind man starts making his way down the steps. And we get another slip maneuver as he slips in Cindy's blood. And he drops to the floor and starts crying, no, my baby. And he screams. Now, I'm going to be 100% honest here. At this point, seeing this movie in theaters, my brain was like, He faked his daughter's death, and this is
0: her. What the fuck is going on? (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. I had a a similar thought, but my thought was this girl killed his daughter, so he kidnapped her and kept her as his new daughter. That's where my brain went. He imprisoned her, and you're my new daughter. And now he's lost his daughter a sack at time. That's where my brain went. And then I realized that Fetty's more fucked up in the head than I am. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. So the duo takes off into the basement to try to make it back into the house. And the blind man shuts off what little bit of light there is. And you talking about him acting like a, he's got to be blind in this sequence, when he's running through and slaps the fan blades and hits the, the, the thing above his head, like he knows where he is. is right. So good. The way they did the night vision for this best it's ever been done in a movie. I hate yes. movies where it just goes dim and blue And we can see everything, but we're supposed to understand that the characters can't. And they couldn't do night vision because who the fuck has the night vision camera? Right. So they shot it in low light, but they rehearsed it in darkness. So they rehearsed it completely blind. So they would know how to fumble around and reach with their arms and shit. Then they shot it in low light with the blackout contacts on the actors and processed everything in post because the blind man shooting as he's searching for them in these shelves shelving things and every time he shoots we get flashes of color and yeah everything about it just feels so good and the touch with the blackout contact lenses and smart enough to have them rehearse in darkness so they
0: look like they're in i buy it i fucking buy it it is an amazing looking scene and it's Honestly, my favorite, like, weird, creepy scene in the film. He also did a weird trick where he did something with the darkest darks and the brightest whites. Yeah, yeah. Where he, like, inverted them or something like that, right? Yes, because if you watch a
1: lot of ghost hunting shows like I do, um, you'll be watching everybody in (laughs) in blacklight and you'll be like is that blonde girl cute? And then you get to the end and they're in light and it's like, why the fuck does she have black hair? Because that will happen depending on how the IR light is and how the pickup is on the CCD chip on the camera. And he did all of that. Like, as a matter of fact, there's even motion blur from ghosting from overexposure that you'll get in surveillance cameras. This is what you usually get. You get black and white. You don't get the green that's from a hearkening back to the military and the green uh, goggles and everything. And this overexposure will cause ghosting to where things smear. And they even did that. Like, yeah. And for me, that's just a cherry on top.
0: He said this was all his DP's work. That was his buddy and the DP on Panic Attack that he wanted to use on Evil Dead. You can't bring your own crew in, right? When you're the new guy, and he said the DP they gave me was fucking phenomenal. I won't take that away from him, but this is my buddy, and he can do some crazy shit with the camera, and it's just it's really well done. And um, I don't know, they used it on the trailer. Yeah. I remember seeing it on the trailer and that was the scene that I was like, I got to go fucking see this. <laughs> and I don't know. It's just so creepy and cool. And they're acting like you said, the way he's like filling the fans and stuff to figure out where he's at the way that they don't know where the fuck they're at. And you see the eyes. It's just, it's just so all, all brilliantly done.
1: Yeah. You're you're, you have to be sucked in at this point because it's great. So eventually in all the cat and mouse in the shelving, Blind man reaches through the shelving and puts the muzzle of his gun right up to Alex's temple, and you actually hear his skin sizzle because the the blind man's been firing like crazy. And he goes to fucking pull the trigger, and we just get a click. Now, on the one hand, that's not so cool because if he was out, the slide should have been locked back. But on the other hand, they fucking counted in editing how many shots were fired from the moment money pulled out that gun. And it's a military issue, uh, Beretta 9mm, money even says it, and standard issue is a 15-round magazine, and they made sure that they actually got the right amount of gunshots to match when the gun would run out. You know, it's Hollywood land, people just shoot like crazy. For them to actually take the time to do that, I give them a pass on the slide. Plus the sizzling of the skin, it's just... (laughs)
0: <laughs> it, it's just good. That's the icing on the cake. Yeah. This is all Fetty of them. It's so Fetty. Yes.
1: <laughs> and so the blind man, you know, he's empty. So he starts choking Alex the fuck out. <laughs> and, uh, but Alex does manage to push the shelving against the blind man. And the duo escapes to the living room. Alex grabs the crowbar that uh, money had earlier, wedges it under the door to get the door shut all is well. And then they spot the dog. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it's the fucking Cujo from earlier. How did the dog get in the house?
0: I mean, he's pretty good at traversing HVAC systems, as we will see in a you second. You know what? You're right. So, <laughs> fuck it. Who knows? Maybe he can open a fucking window. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there could be a doggy door somewhere, but why didn't they find it to escape?
1: <laughs> Touche. So Rocky heads for the front door and tries to get it unlocked, but the dog's fucking coming after Alex and this shit isn't going to work. So Alex grabs Rocky and they head upstairs. Meanwhile, we see the blind man gets out from the basement and heads up to his bedroom and gets the revolver that we saw taped under the bed in the James Wan shot. Back to the upstairs, and there's this is going to be another faux pas, but whatever. They realize there's bars on the windows in this room that they've run into and they've barricaded themselves in there because of the dog. But they spot this uh, air duct And Rocky goes climbing up into it just as the blind man and the dog make it through the door, pushing it open. And the dog immediately jumps on Alex, who flies through the window and magically through the bars because it's totally ignored that there's bars on the window at that point, man. I can't I can't not bring
0: it up. (laughs) So there are bars on every window throughout the house because I was like, why don't they go out a window? And every time I saw them run past one, I'm like, okay, bars, bars. And and this goes with the the Fetty planning, right, where he tried to make it where the, the stage-built version of the home didn't have an escape. Even the Rocky backing into a closet was acted out with action figures, and they removed all of her exits except for that, right? But I never paid enough attention to see if there were bars on this window earlier, were there?
1: Well, when they go into the bedroom, they go, oh, no, there's bars on the windows. They even say it.
0: Yeah, but did we ever see this specific window earlier? No,
1: because we were downstairs. But they say it when they go in this room. They they try to go out the window.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing that makes sense to me, this is the only window in the house that you couldn't just put a ladder and crawl up into and go into a room. Correct. Right. So maybe this one didn't have bars and we didn't see this one window before.
1: Okay. So you're saying that when they go in and say there's bars on the window in the heat of the moment, they're just saying based on what they've seen in other rooms, they pres- yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 Man, you, you, you real, you jumped out of that painted corner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> honestly though this is the only window that you couldn't just put like an extension ladder up and climb and go straight into a bed yeah
1: uh, absolutely
0: you'd have to climb up onto an awning and walk over a skylight and then open a window and then go in right yes. so fair because normally glass can't hold the weight of a human being standing on it
1: no and it can't hold the weight of alex laying on it um.
0: <laughs> so, you like that lead-in I
1: did there. <laughs> thank you for the assist. So when he crashes into it, he gets knocked out. But it just it shatters, but it doesn't give way. So it's like being on thin ice. oh The dog heads into the fucking air duct as we've alluded to to chase Rocky. Mm-hmm.
0: It's so dumb and badass <laughs> at the same time. I
1: love the way <laughs> the dog looks crouched down like low crawling, but still going so
0: fast. <laughs> It's because you know that like that dog hot, they, they put like some treats or there's probably a fucking T-bone up in that vent and that dog's like, I got to get on this dresser and my fat ass up in that vent and they just start pulling the T-bone with a string. That's the only way this would work. Yes. Because right? it has to all be practical.
1: The dog won't go after the CGI tree. <laughs>
0: This dog's fucking fantastic in this film, okay?
1: Well, as he's charging Rocky, she's at a dead end, and she can dive down this other hole that appears to go all the way back down to the first floor or stay there and get chewed up by the dog. I'd probably dive, too. So she dives and crashes down to the bottom. She's knocked the fuck out. Meanwhile, Alex is coming, too, from being knocked out on the skylight, and... There's a good shot of uh, the blind man back down below in the kitchen and, and up above oh, yeah. him you can see Alex and he leaves and the fucking glass gives way and Alex falls again. This this kid is like the 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 boy in Jurassic Park. Like he's he's gonna go through <laughs> some shit. Um some of this is worse than what's his nuts in Evil Dead as far as what this guy goes through. No.
0: Eric gets it so bad in Evil Dead, I don't want to hear it.
1: Well, he the my thing is this is more realistic. As bad as it is, this is more realistic.
0: <laughs> Once the nail gun scene <laughs> happens, that motherfucker shouldn't have should have been back up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get what you're saying, though, because, like, <laughs> earlier I was saying Alex is the only good one in the group. Like, you can tell he's the one that, like, got peer pressured because he's in love with this one girl, right, to, to assist in the breaking and enterings with the alarm codes. And he's the one that's like, we should bail, you know, and, yeah. and he's the one that's also... Getting tortured. So there's some Sam Raimi rules being used once again. Definitely. This is another ghost house pictures, right? Yes. So Sam Raimi's probably a producer of the fucking thing if I looked at it. Probably. Him and Tappert both. Yeah. The innocent must be tortured for some reason.
1: There you go. So once Alex crashes back in, he's confronted by the blind man and shot at, and he goes diving into the laundry room. And we get this lull there for a second, and... Poor Alex, he kind of gasps while he's sitting there trying to contain himself. The blind man's like, fuck, laundry room. And he goes in to get the drop (laughs) on him. But Alex has actually grabbed the hammer and is beside the door frame and does the bash into the arms with the hammer. But he's still fucked. Alex is quickly overpowered. <laughs> it doesn't matter that the fucking washer gets turned on and distracts the blind man. He grabs a shovel. He beats the shit out of Alex. He beats the shit out of him with his fists some more once he gets him. He loses the gun in the scuffle. There's a, there's a, a kind of a fight between them for that. But it, it doesn't matter, man. Alex never has the upper hand after the first hit <laughs> in the arms when the blind man <laughs> comes in there. He's just fucked. So the attack culminates in the blind man grabbing some hedge... Trimmers, hedge clippers and uh, oh God, now all I can think about his clock tower. <laughs> <laughs> he plunges them down and we get a nice tight shot of the blades going into Alex or so we think and in the scu either in the scuffle right before the stabbing. He also gets the fucking alarm clicker back from Alex. So now the blind man has the alarm clicker. So like we kind of do back and forth in this movie. It's about time for Rocky to be waking up, right? So let's go see what's going on with Rocky. <laughs> we don't know what happened to the dog. That part kind of bothers me, but whatever. So Rocky wakes up and she looks and it's like, it's like the end of the descent. She can see light. <laughs> 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 and she goes crawling towards the light and it's a grate on the front of the house and it's locked though. Oh fuck. She can't get out. And she spins around and she's kicking it. She kicks it open. Holy shit. She's going to get out. And if you're paying attention, her upper body is above another grate that goes down into the house. Yep. And just as she kicks the shit out, a hand comes up and grabs her fucking head and yanks her ass down into the living room. That hand is CGI. Ooh. Yep.
0: I thought you were going to say, that hand belonged to Fanny <laughs> Alvarez. <laughs> no, right? that's
1: not the right you went. And what he said was the way he wanted to do it and have her grabbed, there was no way to just grab her fucking face like that. And did it in post. So now that the blind man has Rocky pulled back down into the living room, it's a really fucked up shot. They scuffle a little bit, but he gets her down on the floor and he punches her a couple of times and slaps her a couple of times and then chokes her out. And it's so animalistic. Like, have you ever seen that video of the deer stepping on a bird and then eating it? (laughs) Yes. And it's like that. It's like he doesn't overdo it. He's like, pop, pop. That's enough. But we wake up with Rocky and uh, I guess I'm going to say this is the third act <laughs> um, yeah. she's fully bound in the Cindy rig I guess that's what I'm going to call it <laughs> so we can see Cindy's body on the floor down in the basement so Rocky realizing that she's bound starts trying to reason with the blind man and uh, she's like you know oh I understand what happened and and I understand you and uh, and uh, she killed your daughter and, and she had to pay and the fucking blind man just cuts her off and says that she understands nothing and he reveals that since Cindy who took his child he found it only fair that she give him another one holy shit she was preggers this makes all yep. that shit make sense now and uh, the blind man's over by this refrigerator and this burner while this conversation is going on meanwhile we see that Alex is unfucking killable and that the blind man actually stabbed money's corpse. That was next to Alex in the laundry room who nobody fucking realizes is there till they go back and rewind it. <laughs> At least me, <laughs> but now hammer in hand, fucking Alex starts rushing out of the laundry room to save the day, but Oh shit, there's the dog. <laughs> Don't know where the dog's been, but fine. <laughs> The
0: dog is always the savior here for the blind man. Yeah. Fuck
1: it, man. The dog went out and found the girl, drug her ass all the way across town. That's how it happened. Fuck it. (laughs) Dogs and
0: cats living together.
1: (laughs) Mass hysteria. But uh, he does manage to trap the dog in the laundry room and he heads off to save Rocky. So back in the basement, we see the blind man put Cindy's body in this metal trunk and fill it with, I don't know, acid, whatever. But what's more interesting is the actress, this is all real. They put her in the box and Fetty's like, hold your breath. Here it comes. And fucking
0: filled that shit with the goop. (laughs) That's (laughs) his thing, man
1: and um, the blind man closes the trunk and seals it in the fucking floor because half the basement floor is tile and this, this whole section of tile sets in to cover it up at this point in the movie I'm like how many fucking times has he done this
0: <laughs> in all seriousness he's exactly. like covering the bodies and lie or whatever and fucking buried them and yeah. he's like not even a cadaver dog will find this shit we're good Yep. just like money warned us just because he's blind
1: don't mean he's a saint and while your brain's trying to process this We see the blind man pull something out of the refrigerator and put it in a pot of water on the burner that he got out. And, Mm -mm. oh, no, that looks like jizz. (laughs) What the fuck? And he goes over to Rocky and starts hoisting her up on this rig that she's in, leaving her in a very exposed position while telling her that he's not a rapist. And that he had <laughs> yes. fucking promised Cindy that he'd set her free once he had a child.
0: You now she's gone, but I'm done waiting.
1: Then he goes clockwork orange on Rocky's pants. And it's like, if your brain goes there, how's he going to do this? And uh, we soon learn how he's going to do this. And he grabs the turkey baster and he, <laughs> he plunges the turkey baster into the now warm jizz and we get an ingenious shot from inside the turkey baster as it sucks up yes. the hair and debris cover jizz. Yeah. The pube
0: is fucking arts.
1: Yeah. It was a last minute idea by Fetty. And uh, he goes walking over to her. And as many times, this is shot like a slasher movie. It is fucking Michael Myers with blood dripping from the knife heading towards Laurie Myers. <laughs> Only this time it's jizz (laughs) coming out of a turkey baster. (laughs) Oh my God. And Jane's acting when she starts freaking out, like when he first shows the scissors and all through this coming at her with the turkey baster.
0: (laughs) I'm glad you went there because her face, she figures it out while we figure it out. Yes. And it's (laughs) all step by step. I'm so
1: terrified and I'm terrified for Who's the protagonist? Who's the antagonist? I, I still don't. I'm not sure. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want this to happen to her, but I kind of
0: understand where he's coming from, but this still isn't the right solution. It's, it's so fucked. No, all of it's fucked. And like, you know, he's like, I'm not raping her because he's not physically doing it, but he's raping her. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, this is the end result of, of unprotected rape. <laughs> It's so fucked up. There's a shot of Rocky's
1: horrified face as we all come to terms with what's about to happen. And then blood fucking splatters across her face as Alex lands the first blow to the blind man with the hammer. And he beats him down onto the ground, handcuffs him into the rig that the handcuffs were on for Cindy, and releases Rocky. Rocky is understandably pissed, and she fucking starts (laughs) whooping the blind man's ass and they were going to leave it at that. The last minute idea during shooting was, why don't you grab the turkey baster and shove it down his throat? According to Fetty, it was a last minute idea. It was never in the script. Well, and what's so fucked up about it is so he, he chokes on it and he's, he's bound there in the corner and uh, the duo gra- goes to grab the money and... Alex is like, let's just go. And she's like, but if we don't get the money, you know, we, all this was for nothing. And the blind man speaks up and he's like, just, just, just get what you came for. You've got what you came for. Get out of my house. And in that moment, I feel sorry for a man who lost his daughter. Like, you, you know what I mean? I'm totally torn throughout this movie because of his point of view. It doesn't justify what he did or what he tried to do. I'm not going there with it, but I get the. The juxtaposition between the robbers and a man who lost his kid
0: versus a fucking rapist and kids that are trying to escape their fate. And I think that was intentional because anytime you see an interview with Fetty, he really talks about the characters and the uh, the character's past and the character's intentions. And you can tell he's one of those guys that wrote out, like, what elementary school they went to, who their best <laughs> friend was. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm I being know, facetious. I know, but, but yeah, like, you're right. He goes all in depth, and you just broke the movie down to two base layers. Yeah. That are both accurate, and you could describe the film to somebody as either one, and you're not incorrect either time. It's just that they both exist in layers. And I think it's just a credit to Fetty as a director and a screenplay writer on him layering these characters because you're right. You don't know who to read for. This guy just kidnapped a girl and essentially raped her. Yeah. In the process of kidnapping and raping another girl. And at the same time, you're like, oh, he's just a fucking war vet that lost his vision and his daughter. And then you you get the reality to sink back in that two wrongs don't make a right and everything that he's doing. But like, it's just so deep because back and forth, you don't know that guy. And yeah. I think the answer at the end of the day is everybody. Yes, I agree. But this is also
1: <laughs> this is also everything that I usually bitch about in movies that ruins the fun
0: ride for me. And. This movie's still
1: a fun ride. <laughs> it's so fucking weird.
0: He is fantastic at character pieces and then sticking the character piece in a short horror film without it bludgeoning you. Yeah. With, with backstory.
1: Uh, and it's also the casting because if that wasn't Stephen Lang, I don't know where to go. If it wasn't him, he was, he was so good, but we're, we're close to the end guys. But the duo grabs the money and the alarm fob and leave the house as they were requested to do. And once they reach the front door, Alex opens it and he takes two shots to the chest. And this all happens this quickly. And we, we quickly spin around and see the blind man gun in one hand and the useless restraints in the other. Because whatever fucking Alex tied, not tied, but clasp the handcuffs to wasn't connected. And I had to watch that a couple of times because I was real mad. How did he get out of there? But you can, it's put right in front of your face. It's the wasted restraints in one hand and the gun in the other. There you go. That's all we need. And Rocky takes off out the front door into the street, yells back at the house to the porch where the blind man's standing and tells him he's fucking useless out there. Credits. No, the dog comes running the fuck out the front door. (laughs) And Rocky's like, shit. (laughs) Shit.
0: This movie could have ended at so many places right now. I know, right? Um, by the way, Alex is really fucking dead at this point. Um, <laughs> he will not be making a return. He's going to come back with his fucking hand nailed to his chest <laughs> and a fucking heroin needle out of his eyeball. <laughs> Chainsaw in the other hand. And he's going to save the day. Don't you lie to me.
1: And Jesse's already spoiling, don't breathe too. So she takes off and she goes running for the car. And just as she gets in the car, the dog rips the bag of cash off of her fucking back. She's sitting there in the car, mean ass dog with the prize outside of the car. And no keys. No keys. So this whole car thing that's about to ensue. Fetty said they basically had a second unit that just had to keep filming the car scene throughout the entire production. And then they would look at dailies and go, we should have done this or look at it and go, it'd be really nice to have a reverse of this. And that this fucking car dog scene was shot off and on through the entire fucking thing. He's like five solid days, five (laughs) solid days to get this shit. But uh, she's looking around in the car. What the fuck am I going to do? And she doesn't say anything. We don't have a stupid flashback or anything, but the trunk, she unfolds the seats, which you could do. I had a firebird that was the same fucking body style of this Camaro. It's this, how the shit works. You fold down the seats. She gets into the trunk. She finds a strap she pops the fucking trunk with a strap connected to it. I don't know. I don't remember if she whistles or, or what, but the dog jumps into the trunk. She fucking pulls the strap to close the trunk and kicks the seat close. The dog's trapped. What a smart girl. Holy shit. The dog's already eating through the seat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fetty gives you just enough time to process the MacGyver skills here. And they go, Oh shit, we're still going to die. And, uh,
1: she ends up being able to grab the strap to hook it on the dog and stops the dog as it's inches away from her face, fucking barking and snarling. The way they shot that is with the trainer in her position and then shot uh, Jane reacting and then composited it. So Jane was never that close to the dog, but they didn't—they cheated, but they didn't use CGI. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> they didn't use a plate of glass like they did in fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark with the snake. But, anyways. <laughs> So she bails out of the car with the dog trapped inside. There she is with the bag of money. Credits. No, the blind man pops up and knocks her the fuck out. Because <laughs> everyone forgot, including me, and sometimes even on the rewatches. What did we open with? Somebody dragging this girl we've been watching for the past hour and a half down the fucking street. And that's <laughs> I what... didn't forget. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's happening now. So he's got her back in the house. He locks the door. It's daytime now. And she falls down or she's thrown down in the living room floor and a ladybug lands on her hand. And Fetty tells the story about the ladybug. So I'm going to tell the story about the ladybug. (laughs) It's not CGI. He's like the ladybug in the car is not CGI. The ladybug at the end is not CGI. The ladybug wrangler brought one ladybug for this ending scene. And we got ready to shoot. We put the ladybug on her hand and really hoped that it would fly off. And it flew off before we were fucking rolling. (laughs) And we lost the ladybug. (laughs) And they dug around the set, finally found the ladybug, got rolling, put it back on her hand, and the ladybug did the same thing. Took a few steps, showed its wings... And then flew off. He's like, this ladybug is the best ladybug in acting because it did exactly what we needed it to do. (laughs) And the ladybug is the allegory for luck. Like, you know, some people say the thing, you know, like you see a ladybug and you're supposed to blow it away and wish. So we've got the whole thing with, she saw the ladybug, the ladybug tattoo. The ladybug was her only friend in the trunk. Like there's, there's this, some, some inner thing that Rocky can't give up, that the, the universe is showing her that there's something more. That's what we're supposed to get from the whole ladybug thing, which is fine. It's a little different and weird. I I just like the trunk stuff. But, uh, so she's like, fuck it, I'm not doing this. And she sees the fucking fob And she rolls over and grabs it and she hits the panic button because Alex mentioned earlier in the movie. It's like, if we can get close enough to the panel, we can hit the panic button. It'll call the police. They're not going to care about us. Look at what this sick, torturing dude has done. You know, they'll let us go. And so the alarm goes off and we hearken back to the daredevil thing with the alarm going off. He's distracted (laughs) and somewhat incapacitated. And she grabs the crowbar and just goes full ham on him, beats his ass. A whole bunch knocks him into the basement, which there's no stairs. So he falls all the way down, fucking shuts the door. And with the alarm wailing, she walks just fucking straight up pimp walks away with the cops arriving in the background. It's a little bit of weak sauce. I'll admit it, but whatever. So we cut to Rocky and Diddy and their Diddy's like color in and they're sitting at this table. And they're in some public space and we can hear and then Rocky can see a news report about a disabled veteran who fought off and killed his two attackers. And it doesn't seem that anything was stolen. And he's going to make a full recovery and is being released from the hospital today. And we cut away from that to Rocky and Diddy walking through the train station that we can now see that they're in to catch their train to California. The end. And, like, seriously, that's the end. There's no post credits or anything. Now, they shot a shot of the blind man appearing into the bottom of the frame in the train station with the hood up, the same hood that he had on when he's dragging her down the street. Okay. So glad they cut that because if you want to make the jokes yep. about how'd he find the daughter, how'd he find the news clipping, you know, all this stuff, how the fuck did he sniff their asses to the train station, especially if he was exactly. in the hospital? That would have been so dumb.
0: I don't even know how they're gonna make a sequel, which he's apparently working on right now, unless it only involves one of the two parties. You know what I'm saying? Like, how yes. does he go get Rocky at that point, right? Unless it's somebody else fucking with the blind man or Rocky on another crazy adventure. I freaking want to say it. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't know how you can make a sequel out of this. Evil Dead, I can see how you could make a sequel, but supposedly he's working on a sequel for this film.
1: I don't know. We'll have to wait and see because I don't, I agree. I don't see how you do it. Like he can hire a private investigator and we can go down that route, but that seems just a little too hard of a try. You know
0: what I mean? It could go the anthology route and it just be another story. In similar vein that is completely different with different characters. That's
1: a possibility as well. We'll have to wait and see. I do want to say a couple of quick things regarding this movie and in general about Fetty. And he was talking about, you know, asked about working with Jane again. And a lot of times this shit doesn't work. And her appearance was changed enough and her character was different enough, aside from the stupid name, that it doesn't feel like, you know, when you watch a Kevin Smith movie and you see a, a Kevin Smith character or actor make a, a reappearance in a later movie, you know what you're going to get. Even yeah. If, even yeah. if they're trying type to typecast it. Yeah. And I don't feel that at all. It's too. She plays two completely different characters and they're both she does. so removed. And uh, he was talking about that, you know, she's a strong woman and women in general are strong. Do you understand? And this is a direct quote from is like, do you understand how powerful women are? Men give them sperm and they give back a fucking person.
0: I love that quote. He's
1: he's so great. And and like you said earlier, and I've said this about some other movies, and it's only a handful of movies that do this. His movies don't feel like you're watching a movie. They feel like you've been taken somewhere. And that's the only way I can describe it. They don't look like movies. They don't feel like movies. They don't pace like movies. They are so... So different. And I'm not saying above and beyond all the rest. I'm just saying so removed that there's that the whole auteur thing. I don't know what you what pin you put this in, but that's what it is. And I cannot tell you what he does to do that.
0: I agree. And it's very interesting. If you watch his two horror films that he directed and co-wrote, you get this like punk rock. One of us horror fan that had the opportunity to make a horror film or two movie. And then you hear an interview and you hear him talking about film technique and camera technique and the effects and the the character driven narrative and this and that and you realize that in a lot of cases he sounds more qualified to be a filmmaker than some of the other people that we've been watching for over a decade
1: yeah he's got he has the the whole thing figured out right out the gate like i was talking about earlier and like you talked about where you know they wouldn't let th- these characters or these actors see uh, Steven until he was to be revealed. And he would do things like, all right, right are you ready? He's going to come through here on three and then go over to the other side of the wall and be like, make sure you go on two. you know, like every, yeah. all these little nuggets that we've learned about from other directors that we liked, like this man is thinking of all of it on the front end and all the way even into sound design. This movie, the piano in the opening is him in case anybody was wondering, but the rest of the score is not real instruments. It's these guys that they found in Arizona, if I remember correctly, that just make shit out of hunks of metal and pots and pans and stuff. And it's all these weird, organic, unnatural sounds. And like you were saying, with the use of the siren in uh, Evil Dead, like his approach to everything is so textbook, but executed so originally that it doesn't feel pedantic. It is, it's amazing.
0: And I get a, a vibe, it's very similar, but I get a vibe where sometimes it's like he's the indie guy through and through and he just does whatever the fuck he wants. But then when you find out why he did whatever the fuck he wants, that that you interpreted as that, there's this there's all these layers of like technique and history and reason. Yeah. And I just think it's fantastic. I think it's very odd that we only actually have two horror movies out of the guy. Right. And they're so fucking good. And and we're like, where's the rest of them? Why is he doing production work now and stuff like that? And I've heard him say before, I don't think I can direct something in someone else's voice. Right. So he doesn't think he can direct a screenplay written by another person, which is why, you know, he asked for somebody not specifically, but a a professional writer of Diablo Cody's caliber to, to rewrite his film originally with, with evil dead. And he was like, it was a fucking really good script, but it's not my voice. It's not the way I'd say it. It's not the way I'd portray the characters. I can't direct somebody else's movie. So his short film and his two movies were made by him. And I think it's going to make it where this guy has very few films by the time his career is over and done with. But we find no or very few duds.
1: Yeah, as far as as being the writer and director, and what we've talked about before, not just with writer director being the shit, is you know a, a small budget and then going through the fucking roof once it's released. You you said that uh, Evil Dead he did for what?
0: Evil Dead he made for seventeen million and it made about ninety eight worldwide. So his return on investment for his first film was fucking phenomenal.
1: And then he, he turns around three years later with Don't Breathe uh, for 10, and it made like 158 million worldwide. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's the exact opposite of what happened with James Wan in his first two movies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> James Wan can fucking get blood from an orange as well but, but he
1: can, yes But it's 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 wild I'm so glad we just got to cover him It's been a long episode And I think we still got a little bit more to go
0: I'm just glad to break the remake and reboot rule Just so we could do Fetty Because we couldn't do him otherwise He had one fucking movie if you take Evil Dead out, right?
1: Yeah, well he's now this list of newer directors That I'm like, I gotta see what comes out next Is getting so fucking long <laughs> and this virus bullshit,
0: <laughs> like there's going to be so much shit that comes out <laughs> after
1: all this, I know, man, I know. it's going to be nuts.
0: There's just a couple of things I want to add on here at the end. One, you were talking about like writer director. I want to add the producer cap on there because the, the really good ones that we talk about go on to produce several horror movies after the fact. And they're requested to produce these movies by these studios, and they pretty much produce their own films as well. Yeah. And I believe I heard Fetty say that in an interview, that he's basically, he's writer, director, producer on his movies, and he doesn't know if he can make a movie outside of that, right? With the exception being he wants to produce young, up-and-coming horror directors, which is Fucking awesome. Yeah. I did a, a quick search to find Sam Raimi's rules because I hear them referenced all the time. Okay. They're Sam Raimi's rules, a horror as told by Stephen King, if I dig a little bit. And it's from like an 89 interview, by the way. Okay. And uh, the, the Raimi rules are number one, don't make a boring picture. Number two, the innocent must suffer. Number three, the guilty must be punished, which is really weird when you consider... Don't breathe, which maybe that's why we get a sequel. Ah. However, the blind man was punished, right? Yeah. So, who's guilty in that sense, right? Number four, you must taste blood to be a man. I don't get that one as much as the other so far. Uh, <laughs> I th-
1: I think that means you. You if if you're a lamb, you got to be wounded before you can become the wolf.
0: Which explains Ash, exactly. Evil dead one, right? Yep. And Mia. Yep. Yep. Number five, the dead must walk. Okay. Though it's just a staple in his films (laughs) and that's it. There's there's five rules. And I
1: forgot something. It was in the script that back to don't breathe that uh, Rocky was not going to get away. She was going to be in a hidden room in the house that he trapped her in and the police still come and not find her when they sweep the house. And then we were, and then we were just going to end on that. Presumably that she's still going to end up giving him a kid which would have been a downer ending. And I don't as much as sometimes I like downer endings. I don't think I would have liked that as much. Just like, I don't think I would have liked that as much for evil dead.
0: Yeah. I, I get you on that. This is one of the few movies that I prefer the original title over the, uh, theatrical title that was released. What was it? Fetty originally called this movie a man in the dark. Okay. Oh, that's like double, double meaning. Exactly. Yeah. But I thought that was a pretty cool name. But before we end this one, we we like to talk about the director sometimes and say, what would you like to see him do? So I have to ask you, Josh, what would you like to see Fetty do in the future?
1: I thought about this a lot today. This may be because of how good the in the dark scene was, but I kind of and is maybe fucking harkening back to fucking warren pelly i don't know but i kind of want to see where his brain would go with a found footage and that takes us back oh
0: shit really but,
1: but it takes us back to panic attack because panic attack was shot you know he said it was like 9-11 he was seeing all these super yeah. cuts of 9-11 and it inspired him for what if that was an actual robot attack in my town and uh i don't know it just it seems so off the mark from from what you would expect yeah. that that's what i want to see <laughs>
0: You know, it's really funny when we cover a director, I say slasher or I say monster movie in the past, Fetty, anything, because I feel like he puts <laughs> a unique spin on anything. Yeah. And I'm like, sure, why not? Found footage, let's do it. Ghost, let's do it. Slasher, always, right? Like I could see any of it.
1: Fetty Alvarez makes the Sasquatch movie we've all been waiting for.
0: <laughs> exactly. I could even see him do like a seven type movie, right? Where it's like a serious oh, crime yeah, thriller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's going to fucking outsmart everybody when he made it. Right. Yep. And he's just going to have a good fucking time doing it. And all of his actors are going to be miserable while they're filming the terrible scenes and having a good time the rest of the time. And that's the vibe you get from the guy. People seem, seem to like working with him, you know? And. I don't know. It's, it's really weird to me for us to be this excited going into an episode and go into this much detail for a person who's only made two theatrical release films in this time, but they were that good. They really (laughs) were.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And the way the world works, what'll probably happen is he'll do a Marvel movie and fast and furious 11. (laughs) (laughs) He's been
0: offered the Marvel movie and he turned it down. That's the crazy part in this scenario. I know. But yeah, I like the guy. I like his interviews. I like his films. I like his approach to everything. I like that there is more detail put into his movies than you hear some auteurs talk about. And he's basically an auteur without his movies being the same. We can't really tell. There's only been two of them, but there's definitely a Fetty stamp on them.
1: I like that he says, fuck as much as we do.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He really (laughs) talks like us, which is (laughs) For better or worse. Like he sounds like (laughs) just a normal dude that likes horror movies and he runs a fucking podcast of his mom's basement while making these fucking prolific films with, with so many layers of things in there. And honestly, I don't know anyone that has seen either one of these movies and, and didn't like both of them. And I'm not just spitting out like hyperbole here. I know people who bitch about either movie without fucking giving them the chance. But when you watch them, they're fucking good horror movies in completely different ways while being equally as dark and equally as disturbing and having so many scenes that you will just remember (laughs) Going on from that point and and his films are are probably more visual than most films that we've covered, yeah, so many films that we covered could have been a book or or a full written review, and even us talking about these films we're not the greatest <laughs> fucking film reviewers in the world by any means, but we're not doing them justice compared to watching them and just seeing his fucking visceral style. And I would love to see anything that he does going forward. Absolutely. Well, that's it for the Fetty Alvarez episode. So you guys are going to have to tune in on the next episode where we cover dark fantasy films. Goblin King! But as usual, guys, thanks for downloading the show and spread the word. Please do not forget to rate and review us online. And please, please send us comments, questions, and suggestions to our email, sbyspodcasts at gmail.com.
1: We would also love it if you could follow our Twitter and Instagram, both at sbyspodcast. This might motivate us to use them more. See you guys on the next one. Thanks for listening.
0: Groovy.